Podmortem would like to thank Original Cinematic for sponsoring this week's episode. Original Cinematic is a production company that has made it their mission to create, produce, and promote films that are inclusive, honor women, promote the LGBTQIA community, and provide prominent positions and roles to POC actors and filmmakers, and promote the films of marginalized and underrepresented populations. These are all things that are extremely important to our podcast as well. Original Cinematic is proud to be a WGA signatory company, and they fully stand by the WGA and its members in their fight for extremely reasonable standards. Accordingly, they are not accepting scripts or treatment submissions at this time, but both William and Zena Rush are available via email free of charge to discuss writing and provide input and resources to all aspiring writers. Their information will be made available in the show notes. Ahead of the strike, William Rush has individually produced numerous projects, including Coffee with Baba, Day by Day, They Slay, Before, Pack is Here, Abiquiu, The Winemaker, and Where Do You Draw the Line? Two feature films, Group and Immersion, are slated for release this fall. Absolutely no picket lines will be crossed and no collective bargaining agreements will be violated in the making of either of these films. And very generously, Original Cinematic is providing all Podmortem patrons with a special link to view these films. If arrangements can be made, they will even schedule virtual or in-person screening for our patrons. We cannot thank Original Cinematic enough for their contribution to our show and the horror community as a whole. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. Salutations! Welcome to Pod Mortem. I'm Travis Hunter, joined as always by my co-host, my sister, and my brother-in-law. Hi, I'm Renee Hunter-Vasquez. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. This week, we're broadcasting live from the Bodega Bay Inn, discussing the 1989 horror film, Puppet Master. This film was directed by David Schmoller from a screenplay by Joseph G. Collodi and a story credited to Charles Band and Kenneth J. Hall. Released straight to video in 1989 as part of a deal with Paramount Pictures, Puppet Master would quickly find its audience with a bonkers premise, memorable creature designs, and inventive kills. This film would achieve an incredible cult status among horror fans and would go on to spawn a franchise of 15 films, a comic book series, and even a video game. This film was suggested to us by friends of the show Alyssa Wazowski, Jess Sanchez, and Shannon Garcia. We want to thank them all for their continued support, as well as this suggestion. So, Puppet Master, what were your first impressions on the film? So, I'll be honest, I can't remember the very first time I watched this, because I know I was, God, I was like six when this came out. Um, But I remember that this was something that we watched a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, I told a story, I think it was on Talk Mortem, about how when I was really small and I would stay at my cousin's house and we'd watch Puppet Master, they'd always be like, Toys are going to come alive at night. So it would scare the shit <laughs> out of me. you wouldn't sleep. Yeah. <laughs> but but it, it was something that we continued to watch and the sequels and more and more. And it's it's a movie that I know and I love the shit out of this. I know a lot of it doesn't, you know, <laughs> but... 
makes but, sense. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> In the tra- traditional yeah, sense. I, you know. <laughs> Snobs. But, <Yeah. laughs> but it's a good time. And I remember being very scared of it as a kid and then growing up and being like, oh, no, this is fucking fantastic. It was like, I understand why I was scared of it. But now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, no, this is just a good time. Yeah, I unfortunately don't have nostalgia for it. I, I had never seen it before we covered it for this. Bro, that's that's a little interesting to i me. know um i don't know how but yeah i never saw it it is i would say a lot of fun though and it has its own little charm i love a lot of the um puppets yeah one of them is real nasty but <laughs> like in the best way if you're not my my only thing and i had told john paul was you can't tell me because <laughs> he was like, no, yeah, they blah, 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 blah. I was like, no, 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 no. Only looking at this first film. Okay. If you don't know anything else, you cannot tell me that this fully makes sense oh. or that they've explained everything properly. He was like, well, maybe not. <laughs> it, it makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> it makes a little bit of sense. A little. But I can see that this is going to be a bigger thing. You can see that this is like the foundation is being set. Right. But, um, other than it just being a lot of fun, the the story is is pretty wild, and some of the um, execu- <laughs> execution, as it were, is uh, pretty hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I did have a lot of fun watching it. What's funny is with the low to no budget, you can tell that they're like, we can't show these puppets all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> so we gotta find a workaround. That's rule one. You guys ever heard of the POV shot? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I I swear whenever I sat down to watch this I was like I've absolutely seen this before yeah and as I was watching it I realized I have never seen this film before yeah, I want I've seen Blade yes okay and I've seen bits and pieces because there were things that were familiar that's what I was gonna ask maybe you've seen other things that kind of reference this yeah or in the series but yeah, this movie, the beginning, I'll be honest too, the very first 20 minutes of it, I was like, I don't remember any of this shit. Mm-hmm. Then we got to a point and I was like, oh, I remember everything now. I was like, oh, okay. I And I even talked to mom and dad because they said that they rented this movie a lot. Yeah. And apparently so. I mean, it was on when we were, when we were around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we were just worked out. Well, when did they rent it though? Because I was born in 89. Uh, probably. So maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe we're too young to be Maybe making... we weren't really around. Yeah. <laughs> I was, oh shit, I was two years out. Yeah. Well, I was two years away. Yeah. <laughs> you were, you were not. I don't yeah. know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but as I, as I was watching it, I was like, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's all right. Mm-hmm. I, I will admit, obviously, with the films that are in my wheelhouse, this is not exactly my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Right. What surprised me about it was that I expected it to be much sillier. Mm-hmm. But they're like, no, this is... <laughs> yeah. These puppets, this they mean business. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is serious. The motherfucker's got a knife in his hand. He, he does. Yes, he yeah. does. Yes, he does. So did he have a knife in his hand or a knife forehand? Because yeah. there's, a point, <laughs> there's a point in the film where they're like, maybe it isn't attached. Maybe it's not attached at all. Yeah, there's different uh, utensils and stuff you can put there. He's got a spoon. You know, yeah, well, he's got to eat. <laughs> it's whatever he needs. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> I feel like T, I'm noticing a theme of you not liking tiny creatures, I think. Dude, I don't know what's yeah, because I was I, was <laughs> I literally, think that's just not your bad. I was gonna say that I feel like and it happens a lot. The only tiny creature that I like, I love the Zuni um, fetish. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about Trilogy of Terror and mm. how there was this era where every anthology film had to have a tiny creature in it. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if it was just the time of everybody trying to maybe capitalize on maybe gremlins or something. Maybe. Yeah. To where it was maybe. like, okay, we need a tiny creature. <laughs> yeah. We need merchandise. We need to sell. Yeah. Them, yeah. You know. That's what we were talking about because John Paul said he had these toys. There you go. Oh, yeah. And I no. was like, I bet they made so much fucking money oh, off of the merchandising yeah. for this. They at least made a, a hundred or so off of me and my brother because we had about <laughs> four or five of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they come in nice boxes like the trunk mm-hmm. and oh, it oh, has them cool. on the back and it's like they come with shit and we were young so we took them out of the box we shouldn't have uh-huh. but you know we were teens and we were like this is fucking cool and we wanted to set them up and whatever and um but yeah no we bought a few of them i did learn on a uh, turner turner classic movies that the merchandising became so important for this franchise that they would merchandise puppets that weren't featured in the movie mm-hmm. and they sold so well that they would put them in the movie. Oh my God. <laughs> so it became very important. Hell yeah. And I do, I mean, I, I appreciate the technical side of a lot of the film. Mm-hmm. I think the production design is pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I like the way a lot of these rooms look. There is like an Italian horror flair to some of these shots. Mm-hmm. Right. And I did learn something about the cinematographer we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. Um, but the technical side, the puppetry, the stop motion. Yeah. I will say there are puppets that i appreciate yes and there is one that i actively hate (laughs) (laughs) and you gotta tune in to find out (laughs) but yeah i fucking hate that puppet yeah um (laughs) yeah i don't like it every time he shows up i'm like get out (laughs) you're not cool you're not funny i know exactly (laughs) you're talking about you do it's probably my least favorite (laughs) i was like i know every group (laughs) every group has to have a brute (laughs) but I love all of them. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just giving it away. No. But, uh, <laughs> so I well, take your little brother with you. Yeah. God <laughs> damn it. Oh, Ann Hogg's coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. But I do like Blade's great. I don't yes. love the design of no, that one. I don't like Blade, that Blade, I do. Mm-hmm. They all look really cool. Yes. Except for that one. It's like, what happened? Well... <laughs> He was he a prototype? <laughs> Were you gonna come back? <laughs> rough, rough draft. Um, but I mean, you know, there are some positives. The plot is wild. Yes, yes. it is. They're asking you to buy. They're asking you to buy in on a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and to just understand as this is part of the world. That's my yeah, thing. Yeah, what's happening? Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> like, it feels like you're dropped into the middle of it. Yeah. Maybe we should have had a film about. <laughs> I don't need you to hold my hand, but like just a little. No, you just got to watch the rest of them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the ones that didn't exist yet. Yeah. Yes. All, yes. all 14 it. of them. Well, that's why they're made now. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and what's funny to me is that it seemed like they didn't know that this was going to be any kind of a success. Right. So there's really, this was, this could have just been it. <laughs> and they're like, that's what happened. These puppets came to life. And yeah. Then, you know. Um, but I did want to talk a little bit about the production. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned a lot of things reading articles on Billboard and from Turner Classic Movies. Okay. But it kind of all started with Charles Band, who was kind of a prolific horror producer. Right. He actually produced Reanimator and From Beyond. Oh, shit. Oh. A lot of those Stuart Gordon films. Nice. Um, and interestingly, Stuart Gordon's Dolls was kind of a small inspiration on this. Okay, okay. It inspired him to write it, I guess. Right. But 
he is actually he's the producer of this film and he's the story co-writer but it's kind of like we talked about an X where they were trying to take advantage of the burgeoning video market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what this was. Okay. Because he had a production company before that kind of went under. Mm-hmm. And then he started Full Moon Entertainment as a production company that specifically marketed towards the video market. Okay. Which is pretty like courageous yeah and you gotta love the name oh it's great yeah. oh it's great <laughs> and if you've seen the little logo yeah yeah you know what it is absolutely but after he formed it he partnered with paramount and get this it was a two-year partnership uh-huh. for nine films damn. <laughs> yeah god two damn years yeah and it was all meant to be these low to no budget b-movie horror films Man. They're like, crank them out. Yeah. yeah. They're like, we know it doesn't take much. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. But um, this era of video VHS horror, so to speak, mm. kind of begins with Puppet Master. Okay. Because this is the first one from Full Moon Entertainment to be released through this deal. Right. And so, interestingly, I read, there because they're still around, Full Moon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles Band has like over 300 producer credits on imdb god damn. damn and i think that they said that they release at least one film per month okay okay <laughs> so they haven't slowed down no. yeah no in fact they've ramped things up yeah. is this like the fucking slurm factory yeah. <laughs> just yeah just you know get it out yeah i was gonna say shit them out but yeah. that's, that's rude well who knows what quality that, well that's what they were doing with slurm that is true yeah. we yeah. learned yeah the hard way yeah. <laughs> yeah the worst way it's all right i'll still drink it yeah <laughs> but um he came up he came up with the idea as we said based on kind of ideas he got while they were filming dolls with Stuart gordon right and then he gets the director from tourist trap yeah which is interesting mm-hmm. i still need to see that yeah I, I haven't seen that either i've mm-hmm. heard about it mm-hmm. but i've never seen it and i've never seen dolls either Mm-mm. I've seen <laughs> dolls once, but I was really small. Did you like so it? So I don't remember. Oh. Like I said, anything that they got put on, I'm watching it. Mm-hmm. So if it didn't get put on again, then I guess they didn't like it. <laughs> you were just along <laughs> yes. for the ride. Yeah. Like, I'll watch whatever you guys want. <laughs> but it was funny because I read a lot of interviews with the director and he had basically said that he, even when he was making it, he was like, I, <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> and he was saying like, he's like, I don't expect this to be anything. He really just said that he needed the job. He needed the money. Right, right. But then for it to grow and become this thing that it became, uh, there, <laughs> one thing is it became Paramount's most successful video release at the time. Yeah. And it was made for like four hundred dollars or $600,000. Damn. I couldn't get an exact figure, but all I read was that it made millions on rentals. Oh, I bet. Damn. And merchandise. Yeah. And so obviously that facilitates the ability to make 14 more. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now, before we send a psychic message to this film, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, let's head to the hotel. So the film begins with opening credits and a really great opening theme that almost evokes the whimsy of carnival music, but also a bit of foreboding eeriness. The theme, the score. Yes. It's fantastic. It's fire. It is. is. (laughs) I looked it up and the score was composed by Richard Band, who is the producer's brother. Okay. (laughs) Check us out. 
He also did uh, the score for Reanimator. A lot of Stuart Gordon because his brother produced them. Yeah. Right. But he is just a random fun fact. Mm-hmm. Charles Band's son and Richard Band's nephew is Alex Band, who is the lead singer of the band The Calling. <laughs> if you remember Wherever You Will Go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That uh, I okay. love that song. <laughs> that random track. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I thought that was very interesting and just kind of random. Yeah, very. But um, we continue, and if you like a few minutes of puppet shots, yeah, <laughs> got the film for you. I was kind of getting uh, Dead Silence vibes. Okay, okay. Yeah. Which I think, I mean, I wonder if James Wan was influenced at all. Oh shit! I'm okay, sure. Yeah. But we get shots of random parts of puppets and swirling movements and blurring waves. Ears, eyes, noses zooming in and out of their open mouths. But the sequence ends as we zoom into the black eyes of a pale-faced puppet and into a view of the crashing waves of the coastline of Bodega Bay. On the edge of the cliff overlooking the water, we see a large, beautiful building. We receive text in the lower third reading, Bodega Bay Inn, 1939. So I did read that this hotel shot is actually accomplished with the use of a miniature. Mm-hmm. And they talked about filming the location and then kind of dangling the model. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> and kind of doing a composite shot. Right. I read that it was like the size of a fridge. What they built. <laughs> it looks great. It does. Yeah, I was going to say, I couldn't tell. It no. really does. Yeah. I, I literally had to look. I was like, is there a hotel on that? It's <laughs> <laughs> a little precarious. But, it's right uh, on the water? Okay. <laughs> But we see Khan, a puppet with a white face and wearing a red cloak, sitting at the window overlooking the property. He turns his head with no assistance or operator. So I was like, oh. Well, yeah, we're already, <laughs> <laughs> we're already doing this. <laughs> I, I really did think it was going to be like a child's play situation. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, shit, the puppets are alive? Yeah. But he's like, hey, you might want to look. <laughs> it's in the name. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. <laughs> Some weird going on outside. <laughs> hey, hey, boss. <laughs> I'll apologize up top if I say this wrong, but this marionette is a real marionette used in a Burmese opera. It's Zog Yi. He's uh-huh. an alchemist. Oh. So I thought that was very interesting because he doesn't, he looks a little different than the rest of them. Yes. He looks really cool. Yeah. And it's kind of a shame that we don't see him. <laughs> I was a little sad. Like I said, the first 20 minutes, I was like, what the fuck? I didn't see him anymore. And I was like, oh. (laughs) It's like he was on loan. They're like, no, we got to get him. (laughs) This one's expensive. Yeah, we can't break this guy. (laughs) We cannot break him. Uh, And it's interesting because we learn that they kind of call a character we're about to meet the last modern alchemist. Oh, okay. So I wonder if there's some kind of. Yeah, yeah. Connection. Yeah. But soft piano plays on a record player as we pan across an array of half-made and somewhat nightmarish puppets to find Andre Toulon, played by William Hickey, painting his newest creation. So we saw him in Tales from the Dark Side. Yes. Yeah. And did y'all know he played Dr. Finkelstein in A Nightmare Before Christmas? That's amazing. <laughs> you can hear it, though. You absolutely <laughs> <Yeah>. can. <laughs> you know, Tales from the Dark Side was episode six. Damn. That okay. is so funny to me that we picked that one so early. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's wild about him being in this film? I read an interview on a blog called Kitley's Crypt. Mm-hmm. They said that the production had William Hickey for eight hours. Really? Oh, shit. Yes. So all of his stuff was filmed in eight hours. <laughs> and then he got on a plane and went back to New York. Yeah. <laughs> he, took, well, he took the puppet with him. Yeah. <laughs> like, I gotta we get gotta this go. Back. <laughs> 
Right, no, this one's mine. Yeah. But in a wide shot, we see the walls of his room filled with puppets as well as posters advertising his act. Khan turns his head sharply to Toulon, but Toulon just tells him, no, no. So Khan redirects his attention out of the window again. But outside, tense music mounts as we are in the POV. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's obviously a puppet, right? Yeah. <laughs> or a squirrel. Or maybe. Right. It's it's multifaceted yeah. film. Sometimes we're a squirrel. Sometimes yeah. we're <laughs> But the puppet is walking through the grounds of the inn. He passes people dressed in period-specific clothing, but when he almost runs into a dog, he gets the bark out of there. <laughs> <laughs> that dog said, roop, 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 roop. <laughs> He looked just like the Goosebumps he really dog. Did. <laughs> he might have been his father. <laughs> <laughs> Timing of it. But the puppet breathes heavily, running and hiding behind a bush. It was funny to me because, again, I've never seen this before, mm-hmm. but it looks like the puppets are bad. Like, they're they're the... they're killing people yeah right? okay so i was like why obviously we are in the pov of a puppet why are we afraid because he, <laughs> he sounds horrified he does right. i and i i really didn't understand until i guess later the not not the motivations of these puppets <laughs> right right because it really isn't <laughs> it's 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 dependent on something yes which is not fully explained <laughs> how until that then, works yeah yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> But back in his room, Toulon completes his work, placing his hands over his newly finished puppet. He recites the words, life, on my life. And when he removes his hands, the puppet's head begins to spin wildly, separated into three distinct parts. That's all it takes? Yeah. yeah I was like, Where's oh, my Freddy doll? <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Well, well, be careful. Not, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Well, we learned. We'll learn what, what goes on later. So. We will, but what are your intentions? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we won't know until he comes to life. Oh, my God. You right. keep saying you want to be a villain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, you have said that a few times. Very on worrisome. Mike. On Mike. <laughs> on Mike. <laughs> but this puppet is Jester, voiced by Michael Laid. Toulon smiles and nods, calling his creation beautiful. A bit conceited, but go off. It's it's a bit conceited, <laughs> but I love Jester. Yes. Yeah. I love the faces, especially later, because he's like, oh! <laughs> it's hilarious to me. Yeah, this is not the puppet I hate. <laughs> <laughs> but outside, the puppet continues hoofing it through the garden. He stops abruptly at the curb as a green car pulls up and parks in the street. Max and Klaus, two men dressed covertly in long coats, played by Peter Franklin and Andrew Kimbrough, step out of the car and head towards the entrance of the inn, walking in step. You kind of get an idea of what these people are. Yeah. <laughs> or what they're representing. Yeah. Because that, that's what oh, I was like, okay, I did not see that coming. Again, yeah. I know nothing about this. Mm-hmm. Um, That's bold, I guess. <laughs> but then we don't revisit it. <laughs> Not really. In this Until one. later movies. In this yeah. one. <laughs> I was going to say, be clear. you see it become a pretty prevalent theme in the titles. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I guess it's just what. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, all right. Yeah. But Khan notices this and looks over at Toulon, who already seems to know what's going on. Jester spins his head and rests it in a frown as Toulon promises that he'll take care of him and not to worry. The puppet outside continues its POV trek up a set of stairs, running back inside the inn, both behind and in front of people who somehow do not notice him at all. 
Thank you. Yeah, that was my thing too. Like I said, watching it, and then I was like, "How the fuck does no? <laughs> you're just weaving in and out of people. Yes. Yeah, no, and not even like you're big enough too to where I'd notice you. That's yes. the thing is like you have a good idea, or I had a good idea who this was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, maybe it's somebody teeny tiny. Well, and then when you see him, it's like, no, no they you're, like, yeah. <laughs> well, you're clearly visible. <laughs> just so that we can give an idea and not give anything away. We're not talking about a G.I. Joe sized action figure. No, no. We're talking about something that goes on a stand that should be displayed. Yes. That big. But even so, if it were a G.I. Joe running around the fucking lobby of a hotel, I'd be like, what? <laughs> I, you could see it. Yeah, but I feel like something that small could probably be a little easier to hide or to hide oh, in yeah. places or to get around. Easier, but yes. at least I'd be like, oh, cockroach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or something, you know? <laughs> But this, I think I read on their wiki that this dude is is one foot nine. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <dude>. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. So, I mean, and we see him, he climbs on top of suitcases. Yes. He's breathing and groaning very loudly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and he even gets knocked by a door. If I hit something with the door, I would know it. Yeah. Oh, it's, no, like, yeah. it's like the size of a cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he crouches behind the shoe of an unaware hotel guest. Don't know how they're unaware, but they are. Yeah. As Klaus and Max continue into the lobby downstairs, Toulon is upstairs, removing a portion of his wall to hide his trunk of puppets. Back in the lobby, we finally catch the reflection of the puppet that we've been living through. This is Blade, a stylish puppet with a pale face, black eye sockets, a dark coat and hat, and a hook for a hand, voiced by Bert Rosario. <laughs> like that you called him stylish. That's a great quote. <laughs> He's wearing a duster. No, it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to burn it. Yeah. <laughs> he looks great. Yeah. He's my favorite puppet. Yeah. He's, he's all right. He's all right. <laughs> I like him, but I think, again, for me, it's a little harder because I've seen a lot of the other movies. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I know the other ones. From. Yeah. Oh. But for this one, yes, Blade looks fantastic. I thought you were going to say, because you see the other movies, you're like, he turns on them. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't no, abide. <laughs> I, I think, like you said, he's the only puppet that gets a solo movie outside of no, this. I can't shit. support yeah, it. He's the only one. I feel like he, he, he appears to be the figurehead of this. Right. He's like the most iconic one when I think of Puppet Master. Right. Yeah. Well, he's also the only puppet featured in every single uh picture for every uh poster for every movie all 15. yeah he's the they only know. one yeah, yeah. Like, they it's know all he's, yeah he's yeah. the favorite it's the blade show <laughs> but blade peers around chairs before making a break for it and climbing onto a couch to watch max and klaus he then literally runs across the keys of a piano playing each of them and still <laughs> <laughs> nobody notices him undetected he then follows a couple onto an elevator, hiding behind them as the car ascends. He walks past their legs. Yep. And behind them. And they're oblivious. Yeah. A cat-sized puppet. <laughs> Max and Klaus press the call button for the elevator, however. But upstairs, Toulon rolls up an Egyptian scroll that appears very similar to the scroll of Thoth from The Mummy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed that too. I was like, even the hieroglyphics. Yeah. Episode 163. Yeah. <laughs> But he stashes it away, along with Khan and the jester, into an open trunk. As the car reaches the proper floor, the couple walks off to their room, and Blade takes off running in the other direction. Max and Klaus stand at the elevator as the car descends in their direction, speaking in German and stressing the importance of them being here. Yeah, I was like, Teal, tell us what, he, what they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny because they didn't have subtitles, and I was like, think, man, think. <laughs> I had to rely. You know this. Yes. <laughs> 
But Blade continues running upstairs, scaring the absolute shit out of some lady who finally notices him. Finally. Yeah. Thank you. And nothing becomes of this. He's just like, he mocks her, though. Yeah. <laughs> which was a lot. <laughs> and it was in stop motion, as you could tell, which I like the integration. Yes. Right, right. But he just keeps running. He continues running down the hall as we see Max and Klaus get onto the elevator. Blade frantically bangs his hook on Toulon's door and Toulon answers. He picks Blade up like a baby and in a POV shot, he tells Blade not to be frightened and that he knows that they're coming and he's not going to let anything happen to him. That would have kind of pissed me off because the urgency with which he ran up there to deliver this message and he's like, shh, I know. Yeah. Well, he, I'm like, at least fucking act surprised. <laughs> like, I could have been killed. He clearly doesn't want them to be worried. He's like, yeah, but he, knows, if, he knows what's going on. He's also moving with zero urgency, like whatsoever. Yeah, well, he knows what's going on, but I don't know what's Not going on. Not at all. Uh, well, and, he's trying to protect them. Uh, he's like, and us? Yeah. <laughs> well, it was right. a POV shot. He yeah, was, right. We're the like, dolls. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> Speaking directly to us. <laughs> but Toulon promises Blade that he's going to hide him in a nice, safe place. And he gives Blade prime real estate in that trunk. Yeah, he does. He, he knows. The other puppets are like, I'm getting yep. a red curtain. <laughs> <laughs> we all know this? who the star is. But Toulon laments that he didn't have more time, and Blade lets out a pained sigh. <laughs> so the and you're you're exactly right, as you said, Nay. These reactions from these puppets currently. Right. When we get to them later, I'm like, what happened I to you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like i thought we were <laughs> yes i thought you were friends it it is a big change and i i will give y'all that it doesn't explain it until way later why yeah but it is very jarring to go from what we see now uh -huh. to what we're fixing the experience absolutely but max and klaus step off of the elevator just as toulon closes the trunk he places it behind the wall and seals it up and readies a revolver Max and Klaus make their way through the halls, finally finding Toulon's room. They stand on either side of the door, drawing their Luger pistols and knocking on the door, calmly asking, Andre Toulon? Eh, Toulon? But Toulon sits in his chair, slowly aiming his revolver into his mouth. Without any hesitation, Toulon pulls the trigger. Max and Klaus kick the door open to find Toulon's body and the blood-spattered wall behind him, and we fade to black. Was not expecting that. No. Not at all. But what are you doing in here? And why are they... I, I, I was just... I was so confused. Yeah, I think maybe I blocked this out as a kid because <laughs> this was a lot. Yeah. Like a lot. And I was like, holy shit. Because this is the, the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like right away... They flew to california <laughs> <laughs> like so whatever's going on is important for enough for them to and this is before world war ii yeah yeah so i'm very confused i'm very confused i yeah. also loved that he clearly knew that they were coming for him and he was like let me just make one more real quick <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i got an idea i can't shake yeah. it i can't get it out of my mind I gotta do it gotta do it <laughs> i think i just i i want at least in, hopefully in the sequels, they explain what makes Andre Toulon so special that people are searching for him. Right, right. They will. They do? Yeah, they do. Okay. I got to say, and I know that we said this as well when we covered Friday the 13th, but I'm really excited to get into these further. Yeah. Especially with you saying that like it supplies more of a like kind of narrative mm -hmm. or motiva <laughs> motivations or stories or whatever um i am excited to see because this seems like the type of movie where the first one would be amazing and then the subsequent ones would just be cheese mm -hmm. so kind of learning that they get more of a backstory and everything that is i'm 
interested to learn that. Yeah. Well, I mean, there still is cheese. Okay. But, cool. No. <laughs> okay. Cool. It still has toppings. Okay. Just, you know, but there is a crust. Right. Okay. Got it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's pizza, literally. Oh, literally. Yeah. But we fade back in on the grounds of Yale University in the present day. The bell of a tower rings loudly, echoing over trees and moss-covered buildings. The camera sweeps over the grounds in an overhead shot before cutting to the interior of an office. We find Professor Alex Whitaker, played by Paul Lamatt, asleep in his chair. So Paul Lamatt was in American Graffiti, George Lucas. Yeah. And he was also on the shortlist to be Han Solo in Star Wars. Get the fuck out what? of here. What? Yeah. Stop that. I thought that was very you're interesting. You're lying. And honestly, <laughs> when you see him in American Graffiti, you're like, he could have been Han Solo. My voice really? cracked, but you know. <laughs> That's how much you meant it. It's early. I, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. It's been a very, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Harrison Ford's Harrison Ford. Yeah. Did he have the same haircut? Um. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and that, I'm glad you brought that up because this man's hair. It's yeah. a choice. I thought it's a character. It's a power move. Yeah, yeah. it's its own character for sure. There's some shots that I'm like, that's absolutely a wig. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it is. I don't think it is either. 89 was a weird time, I guess. Yeah. But good for best, him. Best year ever. Good but for yeah. him. Eh, well. <laughs> but the camera presses in on him in the throes of a nightmare. In black and white, Alex sees Neil Gallagher, played by Jimmy F. Skaggs, standing in a suit with his arm around Megan Gallagher, played by Robin Freights. Gallagher points a gun at Megan, cryptically proclaiming, You can't save her, Alex, followed by a maniacal laugh. Megan, to her credit, seems unbothered. Yeah. Qu- incredibly unbothered for what is going on. Like, so do something, Alice. I, yeah. <laughs> and again, I don't understand what's going on here yet as I'm watching this for the first time. So I thought this was a flashback. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, what have you been, what have you been through? He's like, all oh, that stuff yeah. happened. <laughs> it still haunts me to this day. Um, I, I think for me, this becomes a very crucial thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we see it so many times and we learn of his power and we'll talk. Yeah. yeah. But back in reality, the camera dips down to Alex's torso, where we see blood beginning to stain through his white button-up shirt. <laughs> Again, <laughs> this means nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but covered in sweat, Alex opens his eyes and peers down at his body in confusion. He rips his shirt open, revealing three leeches going to town on his belly. He screams. I need a bath. Yeah, <laughs> my whole day is fucked up now. Yeah, like, you know, there's no recovering from this. Aren't leeches like a uh, high, like a uh, dollar uh, beauty supply now? Yeah, <sighs> under um, supervision and doing it properly. You can't just buy just, a thing. No. Leeches. <laughs> to, I would not advise yeah. you. <laughs> Go to Walgreens buy <laughs> buy a pack of leeches. Yeah. <laughs> I would advise against. I need about five leeches. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, this surprised me as far as what we learn about Alex. Right, right. Because I expected two things to happen from this mm-hmm. and neither of them happened. Yeah. But suddenly Alex wakes up just fine in his office chair after such a frightening and specific nightmare. He looks down at his shirt, which is unstained and unbuttoned, and a mix of fear, confusion, and relief rest on his face. My note was exactly what an odd and specific dream. (laughs) (laughs) The camera pulls back, and we see a statue of an Egyptian pharaoh on his desk. So, 
after seeing the hieroglyphics with Tulon, right, right, and then seeing this pharaoh on his desk, I thought there would be more specific conversations about anthropology. Right. Yeah. But later he's like, I'm a professor. Yeah. <laughs> and that's about that's about it. Well, that's not what this movie's about. I guess yeah. not. Just get past it. I thought though, honestly, too, that I was like, oh, we're gonna talk about a little bit of this. Okay. Yeah. And then it just de- it never happens. I was excited too. Yeah. Yeah. And then when it comes up again, he's just receiving information. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh cool, yeah, okay. Yeah. I should I know I should know that. But, <laughs> but we then cut to the bright lights and joyous noises of a carnival at night. After being treated to various sights and rides, we get a tight shot of a neon sign. Palm and card reading open. Woman at Carnival, played by Barbara Crampton, sits with her boyfriend Buddy, played by David Boyd, in front of Dana Hadley, a fortune teller, played by Irene Miracle. So, very quickly, uh-huh. we love Barbara <laughs> Crampton. Yeah, get this out house. of the way. <laughs> um, according to Slash Film, Barbara Crampton did this as a favor to Charles Band. Okay. He produced Reanimator and From Beyond. Mm-hmm. A lot of Stuart Gordon films. And so after he produced those, he literally just asked her if she could cameo because they wanted to give her a role. Right, right. And so she came to set for one day and filmed this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And I have to call out Irene Miracle as well because she is one of the lead actors in Argento's Inferno. Oh, Oh. really? And I love that film. Okay. We got to cover it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But Dana waves her hand over a sparkling crystal ball. The woman asks Dana if she sees anything, and Dana tells her that she has a wonderful life ahead of her. The woman smiles, asking if Dana sees marriage in her future, and she says that she absolutely does. In fact, in a very short period of time, the woman and the man will be happily married. And even more, Dana says the woman is going to have two children, a boy and a girl. That sounds good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The woman is very happy to hear this, but she has another question. Is her boyfriend ever going to get a real job? It's like, damn, you don't have to do buddy like yeah. that. <laughs> He's right there. He looks at her and she's like, I'm just asking. Yeah. <laughs> damn, we're at a carnival. We're having I fun. <laughs> Thanks. It's like reading Final Cakes and now yeah. I got to lay this shit on me. But Dana says that she sees him in retail sales. The woman just laughs, saying that Dana better look again because her boyfriend flunked out of the 10th grade. So she doesn't see how he could be in retail sales. Dana changes her story a bit. She actually sees construction. She sees Buddy working as a foreman of a construction company, but in a retail store, like a shopping mall. So <laughs> she's a fraud, right, guys? Oh, yeah. Because yeah, she's I, flailing I, yes. and just talking out of her ass and then adjusting it when they say something else. Right? She's a fraud. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because that was my impression. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it is very confusing after this next scene. Yeah. Like, what? Like, hold on. Yeah. Why does anything you say have merit? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but she says that Buddy's going to be very rich. So rich that he's going to build the shopping mall. The woman jokes that she will definitely marry him then. And they laugh as Buddy calls himself a gold mine. But the woman asks Dana if she sees anything else. And the mood shifts as the tone in Dana's voice drops low. She says the only other thing that she sees is the woman's grandmother. She isn't going to be around very long. The woman looks puzzled, telling Dana that her grandmother is already dead. Dana takes it in stride because it was really Buddy's grandmother, actually. See, this is giving, I see somebody, uh, it's a J name, uh, maybe a G, maybe, yeah. a, maybe an H. Like, yeah. that's what the, it, oh, other? then it's your grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. But, and that, for me, I th- here's what I thought. Uh-huh. I thought maybe she was bullshitting them with the positive stuff. Right, right. And then she actually did see something with the negative stuff. And so I thought this was really going to be about this woman's grandmother. 
No, but no. <laughs> it's yeah. just more bullshit. Yeah. She's lying. But the woman looks over to her boyfriend, giving him her deepest sympathies. But Dana suddenly puts her hands to her temples, overcome with pain. She gasps for breath, her eyes clenched shut, and one hand grabbing at her throat. She finally chokes out a name. Gallagher. Oh, 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 I, I, I know this one. Two I, words, two <laughs> words. Uh, first word, choke, uh, kill. Like, oh, I know you're trying to tell me something. Well, I mean, it, it seemed she was like half scared and like half. Yeah. Well, there was. We'll get to that later. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, I see a man on stage smashing a watermelon. <laughs> a really hacky comedian. <laughs> no, that was funny to me, too, because this hits her. It's a lot. It's yeah. very over the top. Yeah. But this hits her and they sit across from the table just like, whoa, dude. Yeah. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody tries to help her. She's like, is this part of every? <laughs> Did you pay? Let's just <laughs> yeah, yeah, get here. <laughs> this is none of our business. <laughs> but she envisions herself in black and white on the floor of the hallway at the Bodega Bay Inn being chased by someone. A small knife is raised, but we don't see who's holding it. While in reality, Dana gasps for air, struggling to say, he's going to kill me. She finally returns to herself, her eyes opening as she catches her breath and looks at her concerned patrons. She's like, that'll be $40. <laughs> <laughs> right, that was your grandma. <laughs> yeah. That's most definitely say, your grandma. Yeah. Was, that about, was that about Buddy's job? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be an accident at the construction site. <laughs> <laughs> But we then glide over the Statue of Liberty at sunset, arriving in New York City. Among the hustle and bustle of city traffic, the camera peers up the surrounding skyscrapers. In one of the buildings, through a door marked Pensa Research, Inc., Carissa Stamford, played by Catherine O'Reilly, sits at a desk with Frank Forrester, played by Matt Rowe. I watched this on Shudder. Mm-hmm. And I got to oh. tell you, those subtitles were struggling with her name. <laughs> like, Carlissa? Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, Carissa, Clarissa. which it is. Clarissa. Carlissa. <laughs> <laughs> it was a new name like every time. <laughs> I was like, hire me. Yeah, I was like, seriously, I was I thinking that. I do freelance yeah. captioning. I was hire like, who, me. who did this? Yeah, please. I won't do y'all like that. Carlissa. And, I, won't, I won't do y'all like that. And shout funny. out to friend of the show, Carissa. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. But the two psychometric researchers look through a large glass window, communicating with Andrea Clark, their test subject played by Andrea Henry. As Andrea lies in bed, Frank asks her over a microphone to imagine in her mind her wildest sexual fantasy, paying close attention to the details of it. Andrea puts her fingers to her temples, a device resting on her head to measure something. Yeah. I'm I'm sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Carissa has her fingers on her temples as well, Focusing in on Andrea as Frank presses buttons on a machine to begin the sequence. So I was like, did did it need to be sexual? Could it have been anything? But then yeah. getting to know them better, I guess it did have to be sexual. <laughs> uh, these two are wild. They and are. I, I don't fully understand. I'm not going to lie. Frank's contribution I don't yeah. I don't understand he just he just well there there seems to be something that he has power wise in this scene yes okay and then never but again that's yeah. <laughs> that, yeah that's it I yeah. think he might be lying I think yeah <laughs> like, I know what I'm imagining yeah. that's the way it seems he just seems like a like just a horny dude yeah. yeah but lights flash and numbers cycle for a moment and Frank asks Carissa if she's getting anything about a man and a horse in the rain. Carissa says she isn't, which Frank finds interesting. 
So like sexlepathy or something, or like you yeah. think something I, and then you can know what a, I'm thinking. That's or? a good a term as any for I mean, what is going on. Well, here. I think what confuses me the most is that what we learn is that everybody already understands that this isn't Chris's power. Yeah. No. Yeah. So they're like, why aren't you picking this up? (laughs) (laughs) Even though you know me. And he's got headphones and he's messing with that little like uh, machine, whatever he's doing, flicking knobs and whatnot. And which she doesn't have any of that. I want to point out, we never see this machine again. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, That's it. (laughs) That's it. They don't bring it. Yeah. Where they're going. No. Just for the lab. (laughs) Like, oh, that belongs to the lab. Yeah. (laughs) We can't just be taking shit. But then. Frank says that Andrea is running down a beach and she's naked, but Carissa isn't getting any of it. Frank is confused as to why only he is seeing these things and begins messing with the buttons on the machine. He then leans back smiling, commending Amanda's vivid imagination, and Carissa looks over at him disgusted. So this entire thing was not an element I expected at all. No. Because what I thought was going to happen was it was really just going to be about some puppets running around a hotel <laughs> and killing some folks. Yeah. yeah. But instead, and even if even if we take Alex's dreams into account, all right, this guy dreams, but they're like, this is an operation. Yeah. yeah. Like it's a lab. They had to schedule this appointment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like some, but the, their contribution to what happens later is they're, on, they're honestly useless. They're <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they're there for a reason, I guess. I but guess. They're I there know. for us. Yeah. They're not well, there for the rest the of the reason. team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But the telephone next to them rings, and when Frank picks it up, it's Alex. Frank tells Alex that he was expecting his call, and Alex, still in his office, assumes that they had psychic contact as well. Frank says that they did have contact last night while working on their experiments, and we see him rubbing Carissa's back as he tells Alex that it was very, very strong. I was like, all right. <laughs> and, but, okay, so here's the thing. At this moment, I don't know what their experiments are. Right. And then we learn what their experiments are. And I'm like, how is this helping? <laughs> I f- here, here's, it helps. Here's well, what, here's it what helps I think. Them. Yes, them. I think that Alex got his version of it the way that he does through a dream. Mm-hmm. I think that Dana was at work and it hit her. Mm-hmm. I think that Frank and Carissa were doing something else and it hit them. I don't think it hit them because of what they were doing. Oh, like a double whammy. Huh? Yeah. But yeah. later they're like, let's try that again. Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> the last well, time. Yeah, why not? <laughs> seemed to work <laughs> when we. Dana's not like, I got to go back to the carnival. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not, yeah, no. You were just hit with the vision. Yeah. So it, it, that's just fucking hilarious to me that they're like, but let, but this time. Let's, <laughs> like, it's, it's let's keep that part in. Though. Yeah. yeah it's hilarious. <laughs> But Alex asks what this means and why all of them got this vision at once. Frank explains that Gallagher has located the old puppet master's hiding place and he's calling for a meeting. As we see a plane descending from the sky on a runway, Frank tells Alex that they've also received a call from the White Witch. Alex <laughs> dispels all mystery and he goes, oh, you mean Dana? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, dude, we agreed to nicknames. Yeah. <laughs> why are you calling yeah, me that? What happened? <laughs> the White Witch? It's like... At least let the mystery be there. Yeah. But as waves crash against the rocks on Bodega Bay, Frank says that Dana knows the location well, an old hotel on the California coast, the Bodega Bay Inn. We do not learn why she knows this location well. Yeah. Better than the others. Who knows? 
<laughs> certainly not the writers. <laughs> it's certainly not us. No. <laughs> but Frank says that he wants Alex to come with them, saying that they'll need all of their collective powers because Dana feels that this will not be a friendly meeting. But we cut to a shot peering down the stairs at the Bodega Bay Inn, and we find Alex, Dana, Carissa, and Frank entering the lobby. This did kind of make me laugh because I thought that we would get like a phone call to Dana and like maybe somebody needed convincing that we it's just like, oh, no, we're at the hotel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just moved very fast. They knew the assignment. They did. Yeah. Yeah, they like, got the call. Look, when we defeated that clown in the sewer 27 yeah. years ago, <laughs> <laughs> we, we all made agreed. A <laughs> but downstairs walks Megan and Teresa, played by Muse Small. Teresa asks Megan who these people are, and Megan assumes that they're the friends that Neil said would come. Annoyed, Teresa says that they don't look very friendly. They look more like trouble. What? I'm not getting that from this group. No, nope. <laughs> not at all. I wore a suit. Yeah. yeah. Cleaned my shoes. This dude's just skateboarding in the lobby. Yeah. <laughs> I think she saw uh, Frank's ponytail. That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> But Megan tells her not to be rude as they approach the group. Megan introduces herself as Megan Gallagher, and Alex seems taken aback, silent recognition washing over his face, and also clear desire. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that in his mind, they just got married. Like- oh, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> Why do birds suddenly? <laughs> <laughs> Every time you're near. Yeah. <laughs> But Dana snidely remarks in shock that someone married Neil, which nobody reacts to, and they all just introduce themselves to Megan. It's like, this is Dana. Yeah. And there's a line later that is very funny from Alex because <laughs> he contradicts himself in the span of 30 seconds <laughs> <Yeah>. regarding Dana. <laughs> but we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> this was kind of awkward. The, very. The way they were. I almost felt like, look, let's go outside and we'll come back in and try it again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Because like I get it and you can think whatever and you can even wait until you're alone with the people that know Neil and be like, can you fucking believe she married that dude? Yeah. But you're like, that's his wife right there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. keep those inside and then we'll talk about it later. And they don't know. They don't know Megan, dude. She's like, what the fuck was that? Literally. Yeah. Like, it literally could have started a now fight. Now you're getting your ass yeah. Because you, you couldn't stop being snarky. You couldn't keep your mouth shut. But Alex says that he hopes that this visit wasn't too much of a surprise. But Megan says that she knew that they were coming because Neil told her. Dana asks where old Neil is anyway. And Megan's eyes widen. She asks them if they didn't know. Cut to the group standing over Neil Gallagher's open casket. Yeah. Um. Again, was not expecting that. No. Yeah. I thought, like you said, we were going to be watching the watermelons get hit. Yeah. And like, uh, <laughs> thought we were going to a Gallagher show. Yeah. Yes. Like, where do I get my plastic sheet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but a clock ticks like a metronome in the background as they silently observe Neil's body among candles. Megan shares that Neil shot himself, and when Alex asks her, she says that she doesn't know why. But she says that he left a note, but all that it said was that he didn't want to be buried until the four of them arrived. Alex looks over to his group, who return his look of puzzlement. Did anybody else think that he realized that people were coming from for him because of what happened at the beginning? It was too similar. Oh, it's, yeah. it's the exact same thing. So I thought it was like the cyclical thing where maybe he 
found what was hidden in the walls and then now he's being targeted okay okay that's what it felt i mean that's not what no yeah yeah (laughs) like don't get your hopes up (laughs) but it felt like you know that the beginning was like foreshadowing for whatever neil is going through but again that's that's not the case and in in this film i feel like the beginning the beginning is a cool little scenelet right but it doesn't really? not at all okay not at all i was like am i the only one that like like yeah. he's referred to a couple times but yeah. it is it's in such a vague way that we never really needed to meet him <laughs> like yeah. visually you know but since they're here megan says that they'll bury neil tomorrow if they can stay overnight they all agree to this megan offering them dinner after showing them to their rooms as she turns to exit, Frank asks her if she wouldn't mind if he, Carissa, and Dana stayed behind for a little while to pay their respects. Megan allows this, saying that Neil would have appreciated it, and Alex exits with her, but gives the remaining trio a suspicious glance. Alex is like, I didn't respect him. <laughs> <laughs> I, what, something's wrong. Yeah, yeah, what are y'all doing? What, yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> what do y'all know Yeah, that y'all are not coming with us? Or if I stay here, are y'all going to leave? Cause yeah, they're like go through his pockets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had that ring I liked. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna go make sure my wife is settled. But I'm nah. I'm, more, I'm wondering what you guys are doing in here. Your wife. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny because the second that we saw that Neil is in the casket, he's like, she's single. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> Teresa leaves as well, but before closing the door, she gives one rule: don't touch the body. As soon as she leaves, the three of them crowd around Neil's coffin, Dana asking Frank what the hell is going on here and how they didn't pick up that Neil was dead. Frank doesn't know, but he says that somehow Neil was able to block the image when he sent the message to them. Dana grabs a sharp pin just to make sure that Neil is as dead as he appears to be and stabs it into his chest much deeper than necessary. Here's the the thing. Check his pulse. Check his pulse. (laughs) Yeah, you can't control that. Put a mirror under his nose. What you did to check if he was dead would have killed him. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, no. Punch him, maybe. Give him a little slap. You gotta, she's he's like, dead well, either way. Yeah, tickle his feet. He's dead <laughs> now. <laughs> if he was Yeah, now he, he is. is. Now. Yeah, yeah. Like, That's what you get for trying to prank us. You know? <laughs> but she pulls the pin out, announcing that Neil is dead as a doornail. Now. Yeah. <laughs> I've killed him. Yeah. <laughs> But elsewhere in the hotel, Alex steps onto the elevator with Megan. On the ride up, Megan asks how he knew Neil. Alex says that they worked on a project together, explaining that he's a professor of anthropology at Yale University. Doesn't come up again. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) They smile a courteous smile at each other, settling into an awkward silence, which is broken when Megan comments that Alex is staring at her. He apologizes, saying that Neil was just so obsessed with his work that it's hard to imagine how he found the time to get married. He's like, I have plenty of free time, though. Yeah. <laughs> Not me. Yeah. Um, speaking of Neil, like on a scale from one to ten, like how sad are you that he's gone? Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I, need I need to know what I'm working well, with. Did you like love him? Like, did you like 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 him or like? Was it for insurance? (laughs) (laughs) What was this? How open are you to maybe like, I don't know, like a new relationship or something? (laughs) Do you feel held by Neil? (laughs) (laughs) It was very funny. It's too much. (laughs) She's like, you're just staring. Yeah. And he doesn't stop. No. Oh, no, no. He's like, what? I can't look at my wife? (laughs) I love you. I mean, mean, um, it was in the vows, (laughs) Megan. (laughs) 
But Teresa shows the others to their rooms, fixing up Dana's bed and telling her that they haven't been used for a long time. But she says that people used to come here from all over, including the Queen of England. She said she took care of her herself. Wow. Yeah. But Dana takes out some materials and begins to burn them on a cloth, wafting the smoke towards Teresa. Teresa backs away confused as Dana explains that it's hickory and dragon's blood. She says it'll clean Teresa's etheric body and protect her. So the etheric body is her spirit. Right. Dragon's blood is, I read, a resin that comes from a tree. No dragons were harmed in the making. Okay, okay. (laughs) Of Of the dragon's blood? Yes. But I guess it's a protection spell. Okay, good. Yeah, just let her do it and say thank you. Be grateful, yes. She's backing away like, what the fuck? Yeah. And well, they said uh, the white witch. Yeah, no. Hey, if you need, I can lay down. Uh, you can rub the egg on me. You Literally, can whatever. whatever. Like, that's fine. Please. And I, th- I think that's the thing is that it's clear that it's helpful. Yeah. Well, no, and that's she's fine. telling you. Yeah. yeah. And, and she gets a little more yes. yeah. details. But Teresa continues walking towards the door to Dana's room, receiving this warning. Whatever you do, don't go near the fireplace. Dana doesn't explain why, but she repeats this warning. Teresa just scrambles to unlock the door and tend to her other work in the hotel. But Dana laments that this is not going to be easy. Just thank her for her service mm-hmm. and stay the fuck away from fireplaces. Yeah. I, there is, I think that maybe just, uh, my brain latches onto things like this. Mm-hmm. And if anybody, even randomly, if somebody at a restaurant was like, hey, don't go to, yeah, I'm never going there. Yeah. yeah. And so I just don't understand. Teresa, we're, we're just two different people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But after stepping into the hallway and closing the door, Teresa immediately drops to her knees and spies into Dana's room through the keyhole. It's like, what is this, Hugo too? Literally. (laughs) I was like, man, what the fuck are you doing? I couldn't get past the bees, you remember? Yeah, you were struggling. (laughs) I loved those games, dude. Yeah, me too. Where are they? I know. I bet we can get an emulator. What was a Hugo House of... uh, House of Horrors. Horrors, man. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> but she sees Dana opening her suitcase and revealing a taxidermy dog and petting it. Teresa mutters that Dana is a screwball as she retrieves a can of dog food and begins to open it. But suddenly, Dana looks out towards her door and Teresa falls over herself to run away. Dana then opens the door, stepping out into the hallway and smirking. So I was like, "Is the was the dog a gag just for Teresa's benefit?" Or? <laughs> yeah, I was really confused about the dog. The smirk was like, "Got her." Yeah, <laughs> but the dog is really Dana yes. loves yeah. this dog. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. But Alex gets settled into his room, putting his shirts into a drawer, but stopping to open a booklet from the hotel. In it, he finds loose photographs of different areas of the hotel. He grabs one of the pictures, which is a shot of a ballroom, and he touches his fingers to it, closing his eyes. Now. This was not established as anything that he could do. No. Yeah. This is more in line with what Carissa could do. Yeah. Right. Which we'll learn shortly. Yes. <laughs> but in his mind's eye, Alex watches as Neil, wearing a white mask, slow dances with Megan, who is wearing a white dress. The room is pristine and wide open, curtains blowing in the breeze over large windows. But at the end of their dance, Neil turns to face Alex, slowly taking off his mask and repeating the words from his nightmare. You can't save her, Alex. In reality, Alex returns to himself, opening his hand to reveal the crumpled photograph of the ballroom. Save who? Your wife? What's <laughs> happening? What, what the fuck is he talking about? Yeah. 
Oh, okay. So my why? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he should have just tried to focus. Like life is strange. <laughs> go to if that go, moment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Get those sticks together. Come on. <laughs> but downstairs, Teresa snags Frank and Carissa's bags and leads them to the elevator. Frank says that it's a pity that Neil passed away and asks Teresa if she was friendly with him, but she replies that she wasn't. As the elevator rises, Carissa is overcome with a vision of some kind. She presses her fingers to her temples, telling Frank that something happened in this elevator. She then gets a black and white vision of a man forcing himself onto a woman in this elevator, describing it to Frank. He asks, what man? And we then see Neil roaring like a lion in slow motion in black and white. Yeah, I was like, does he is he turning into a werewolf? I... <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot yeah, it was or hulking out or like, i don't what know the what fuck the is fuck happening. happening i this is where i'm and i mean we don't really get anything with that no we don't find out anything from this no it just i guess is this just to show he's terrible awful? yeah i don't know yeah i guess that's that's just kind of what i got because my note is so the dead friend is a piece of shit uh, yeah so, i mean that's really all we're learning from this i guess and i feel like more should be said about this to someone yeah yeah and then what the conversation we get next yeah <laughs> it's like all right but carissa answers him it was gallagher and the woman wasn't his wife Teresa asks what carissa is talking about but frank tells her not to interfere he asks Carissa for more details, and she just tells him that it's terrible what Neil did to that woman. It was funny because he's like, don't interfere. And she's like, what is it? Yeah. <laughs> she does. Like, don't let tell me, me what to... Let me interfere one more time. <laughs> I, I fucking work here. Yeah. <laughs> but Teresa asks them not to tell Megan about this because she's upset enough as it is. Frank assures her that they won't as he soothes Carissa. We then cut to a white-gloved finger being dragged across a piece of furniture, only to find that it's Frank doing some kind of inspection of his and Carissa's room. Carissa rests on the bed, but suddenly falls back, her voice full of passionate breaths as she declares that this is a movie star bed. Frank tells her not now, but she just squeezes her breast, telling Frank that two famous movie stars had a wild night in this bed, and she tells him to come feel it. Frank isn't about it, telling her that they're here for business and tells her to stop. Now, this mentality of Frank, mm. yeah, never again. No, it's... It's, it's a little weird. It's I didn't, really confusing. Yeah. But he reminds her that they're focusing on Gallagher, which she knows, but she says that she can't help it. Frank understands, but he says that they have to use her gifts to find out what Gallagher was doing here. But she just collapses into bed, her hand returning to her breast, and Frank's hand clutched underneath hers. She says that the movie stars did it right here on this bed. Frank asks who they were, and she tells him, Clark Gable and Carol Lombard. Frank sits down next to her, intrigued. Well, I, I appreciate that he was here for the tea when she mm -hmm. started name dropping. <laughs> but again, name he's dropping. like... Name <laughs> dropping. Yeah. like, nice to tell you, Clark Gable. <laughs> <laughs> I had a drink with Clark Gable. <laughs> He's like, we got to get to work. Let me feel your titty real quick. <laughs> I look, there's, there's things that got to happen. All right? that's, not, that's not the way to calm things down. Real she quick. was already staying. <laughs> well, right. That's what he did. And then he's like, now nah, who was it? <laughs> <laughs> hey, she started. Things were in motion. <laughs> Let's just keep going. That's it. But I think, again, this is what I don't understand because he knows that 
it's attached to objects. Right, yeah. right. But then in their offices, he's like, and you're not seeing... Yeah. Really? <laughs> when you're not Ma- touching anything. Yeah. Okay, so maybe he was trying to use, see how his gift is different from hers. Maybe they were like, I can pick up on this. Can you? Maybe, but these but are... But we don't get any of these that. These are too no. many yeah. maybes. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, that's what they, but we don't get any of that. And it does really feel like our benefit because they clearly have known each other for years. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, yeah. But what a fucking gift, huh? It's a very specific yeah. gift. If you touch something, it's like, oh, fuck, I can feel something from this But it really or... only seems even later like it's just the one thing that she can determine. I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> but wouldn't that get old? Like if, if no. you can't stay anywhere. Like I'm trying to ride the bus. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. I'm trying God to eat damn, a sandwich. What's happening on the bus? What's happening on that sandwich? <laughs> on that sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> like the, wait, take this sandwich back. <laughs> right, uh-uh. no. That bread was flattened a different way. <laughs> a different way. <laughs> this wasn't a panini press. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, <Yeah. laughs> moving on. A little decorum, please. You said panini, and you were you thought we were just gonna let that go by. It's a sandwich. <laughs> oh, it is. It's a type of sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> you can eat it. All oh. right. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Get it together. We're getting another email. But after a beautiful shot of the sun setting at the horizon, the camera presses in on Neil's body inside of his casket. The music grows eerie as we get closer and closer. And suddenly, hands in fingerless gloves reach up from the casket. Pinhead, a puppet with a large body covered in a turtleneck sweater with human hands and a tiny head voiced by Ed Cook, pulls himself up into view and hops out of the casket. I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> so this one's your favorite. Uh-huh. Um, I did read that the stop motion that they used for this, first of all, that's the last thing <laughs> I was expecting to crawl out of the car. <laughs> um, but the the stop motion that they used, it's 17 seconds long and it took two full days to film. That's wild. Yeah. It really is. And I also read that a stunt woman cindy Sorensen mm-hmm. plays his hands oh that's okay. cool yeah well you can tell they're human hands yeah yeah clearly i i will say i don't mind pinhead but when i was younger this did scare me because he has human hands but he's a toy mm-hmm. and it's like you shouldn't have those <laughs> there's just like give those back is, hey, hey same thing with beaker fuck beaker and the swedish chef i don't that used to freak me out as a kid beaker but, yeah he's got human hands and he's just fucking oh, yeah. he's like, oh no, 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 no you're not supposed to have human hands not like mine it's like no no what about raccoons they can stay. Well, Don't no, say anything no. bad about a raccoon. <laughs> no, they're adorable. They're yeah, so but cute. They're, well, if their hands were human hands, then oh, we've okay. got a problem. But they do have five furry. fingers. Yeah. They do have five. And they're, but they're, they're little, proportional. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just don't like how <laughs> small his head is. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not a big fan. I really do think that... <laughs> Toulon was like, we're going to need another pass on that. And then he's like, oh, they're here? Yeah. <laughs> that was my next note. Was I think he might have phoned it in when he made this. Yeah. He was in a rush. It's like, let's move on. He was in a rush. <laughs> I did want to call out the effects team. It was David Allen and his effects house mm-hmm. that did it. A team of puppeteers. They do pretty good work, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was a. I was looking at some of the people on the team and some of the other stuff that they worked on. Mm-hmm. But you had people that went on to work for certain productions like The Fifth Element, 
Total Recall, and even one person went on to work on Jurassic Park. Oh, oh shit. shit. Oh, so yeah. it's kind of impressive. <laughs> and you see, I mean, with some of the creatures, some more than others. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Admittedly. Uh, yeah. The detail. And we're talking off mic about a lot of these puppets. Um, how many people it took to operate them? Yeah. Uh, I read that Blade took five to six people to operate. Just him. That's wild. That is Hell wild. yeah. So imagining having to do that with like four other people crammed next to you. Yeah. And make sure your shit syncs up with theirs mm-hmm. while they're filming. And how many how many shots would that have taken? Oh. Yeah. And so much talent goes into that. Yeah. Like that's, they're kind of the unsung heroes. Oh, yeah. That is, that's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was saying at the start that the technical stuff. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. But upstairs in the halls, Megan makes her way into the dining room to join the others for dinner. They're all seated at a long dining room table. Teresa, hopefully getting overtime pay because she's pouring everyone wine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Megan does thank her though. It was very kind. And it kind of shows her character. Yeah. yeah. But Frank asks about the history of the hotel and Megan shares that it's been in her family for a long time and her parents operated it until they died a few years ago. Before um, we get deep into this dinner conversation, I do just want to point out the fact that Alex not only pulled out Megan's chair for Mm -hmm. her, but the rest of the group is sitting at one end of the table and he is sitting next to Megan. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even catch that. You got it. You I got d- it. <laughs> I didn't either. I was like, this dude's not. Yes, he did. No. Yes, he did. <laughs> Sat down right next to her. He's like, honey, did you want some more? Yeah. <laughs> red or white? You dominance, did. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I know you don't like red. <laughs> <laughs> that summer in the Cape, you had said that you didn't. <laughs> She's like, what the, what the fuck? fuck? We just met tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but Dana then asks how Megan met Neil learning that they met while he was staying at the hotel working on a project. They became friends, and after Megan's parents died, he helped her through some very rough times. Dana, sipping her wine, says that this doesn't sound like the Gallagher that they all know. Everyone looks at her like, Dana, please. Yeah. <laughs> let her Just let her talk. Like, you can think it. Yeah. But Megan says that it was a real surprise when Neil asked her to marry him. He said that he loved her and offered to help her run the hotel. Now that, Dana says, sounds like Gallagher. He wanted something. So again, some things are inside thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. Especially for the moment. You can let him out later. Also, I know that there was a little something when she was doing the reading for Barbara Crampton. Mm -hmm. But this accent. It is. It's all over the place. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It is. It is ramped up to a point of. I was like, did she have this accent the whole time? I didn't quite remember it like this. Not at all. Yeah, I, I, I was watching it. Your sister was sitting here while I was, you know, seeing the movie and taking my notes and everything. Uh-huh. And then I, I paused it and I looked over at your sister. I said, has she talked that way the whole time? <laughs> I was like, because I'm just noticing That's, how heavy that is it's now. It's literally yeah. my next note. Uh, did she have the accent the whole time? <laughs> the director's like, dial it up, actually. Yeah. <laughs> was it? What, what region is this? She sounds like she's always dependent on the kindness yeah. of strangers. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. <laughs> but it is just, it's on an 11 yeah, in the scene. And sometimes it sounds like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> it all depends. <laughs> Maybe it's the wine. It's bringing it out of mm, her. Okay. All right. But Megan says that they were married two years ago, and Gallagher had so many ideas for this hotel, so they shut it down for renovations. 
Alex asks about Gallagher's work, but Megan says that he didn't tell her much about it, explaining that he spent the first year of their marriage supervising the construction at the hotel. She says that they really tore the place apart. <laughs> I put almost as if they were looking yeah. for something. <laughs> <laughs> almost like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But one day he just stopped everything. And then for the next year, he spent all of his time alone on his work. And Megan says that she didn't know what to do. Dana says that she would have kicked him out on his ass and is promptly scolded by Alex. Megan says that if Dana has something to say, she wishes that she would just say it to her. I feel like she has been. Yeah, no shit. I don't really think she's been holding back. She's like, no, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm letting it out. But Alex explains Dana's behavior, saying that she just likes to stir things up. But Dana actually does have something to say, and she rises from her chair, walking over to retrieve the bottle of wine, saying that she has a wealth of information about Neil that she would just love to share with Megan. Alex just tells her to sit down and shut up, but Dana continues, pouring her wine and sitting down to ask a question that's been burning inside of her. Did it ever pass through Megan's innocent mind that Neil possibly married her for her money? Frank comments that Dana grows into quite a cynic after a little alcohol, but Dana's like, no, no, I'm not the cynic at all. Yeah, she's like, no, I'm just being rude. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just ruining our evening. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's got to do it. She prefers, she says, to think of herself as a nasty B word. Okay. Yeah, I was like, all right. I don't... This strikes me, you know, people who are just mean in place of having an actual personality. Yeah. yeah. That's that's what I'm getting here. And she seemed cool. That's what that's what is so confusing because that that was my note. Where did this na- quote unquote nasty bitch personality come from? Because you were casting protection spells. Yeah. An hour ago. Right. <laughs> like, so I, I'm, and now I'm a nuisance. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't know. But after she says that thing about the nasty B word, Alex is like, I said that's enough. He's like, you don't speak to my wife that way. <laughs> You're coming to my house. <laughs> She's like, what? what? <laughs> but Dana retorts, fuck you, you Ivy League tight ass. I was like, so are they friends out of necessity? Yeah, <laughs> Holy shit. And then something she tells him later, I'm like, so you do like him? Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then this is again where I was like, okay, so what is Dana's power? Right. She receives very accurate visions enough to warn Teresa about the fireplace. Yeah. Spoilers. But at the carnival. Yeah. That, that was a little weird because as the movie goes on, we do see she does have an ability. Yeah. Maybe she's like, I'm not even trying to tap in with John. (laughs) Just give me the money. But then why why don't you go work at a bank or something? (laughs) Yeah, you no don't have shit. to do this. Why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> but Dana says that they all know why they're here. So why continue this pitiful charade? She tells Megan that the truth is Gallagher was a despicable, greedy bastard. He screwed them over and they're here to even the score. She asks if she's making herself clear. And before storming off from the table, Megan says that Dana has made herself perfectly clear. Alex gets up to go after Megan, calling Dana a real piece of work before making his exit. It's like now she's not going to be able to sleep tonight. She takes <laughs> this very, she's very sensitive. <laughs> I thought he just wanted to get into the hotel business. <laughs> <laughs> but Dana sarcastically asks the group because it's the 1980s. She's like, did I say something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did I do that? <laughs> 
But Alex follows Megan outside and apologizes for Dana's behavior, saying that she isn't usually like this, even though he just said that she's always like this. Yeah, yeah. he did. But Megan rests against a pillar, telling Alex that she's so confused, asking who they even are. Alex explains that some people would call them magicians. He's like, well, I'm I'm your husband. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Husband. <laughs> Honey, you don't recognize me? <laughs> are you okay? Right, you should lay down. <laughs> <laughs> Next to me. <laughs> As you do every night. <laughs> But Alex explains that some people would call them magicians and takes Megan over to the window so they can spy on his friends creepily as he elaborates. I was like, okay, so finally we get our little exposition dump. Mm -hmm. But we're like, (laughs) he said they're spying on them. We're we're watching them in slow motion as he describes them Mm -hmm. and what they chose to do for Frank. Dude. Yeah. I don't get it. I, I didn't either. I was so confused. I and also I did want to point out that they, they ran out of the thing and we see how the hotel is is uh laid out. Yeah. So they ran out of the thing out of the entrance and so he would have had to take her around the side <laughs> yeah. to the bushes so they can look as if she hasn't met them. So she's like, Okay, so Frank is this. <laughs> but he's like, No, we need to be spying on them to get this. Yeah. Or just do a cutaway with the camera. You don't even have to Literally. have them. Yeah. Like, Come here. And slow down your vision. We need to walk. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to take a while. (laughs) But Alex says to some degree, they all have unusual psychic powers. Gallagher brought them together several years ago to try to help with his research. And we do get a shot of Frank chewing a piece of shrimp, (laughs) but he he tears it away. The sound is added in post. He looks like a villain. He does. I don't know why this is here. He's eating it evilly. Yeah. Like you said, at least we're getting a reason why they're all here. True. Yes. And we're, I don't know if we needed to get that close up. But But Alex says that it started when Gallagher and Frank began studying ancient Egyptian methods of the occult and found evidence that the Egyptians developed a method of giving life to inanimate figurines. Now, the subtitles were no help here. Yeah. Because he anou- he pronounces the word occult very weirdly. Yeah. yeah. And so they literally put mumbles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, thanks. Shutter, call me, <laughs> goddammit. But Alex says that the secrets were passed on to a select few who knew and practiced magic. He explains that Dana, a fortune teller, helped Gallagher locate the last true modern alchemist, a famous puppet master of the 1920s. It was the 30s, but all right. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he fizzled out by the time we met him, and he was famous in the 20s. He's like, I'm not famous anymore. I'm living in a hotel. I'm trying to figure my life out. My wife left me. Just me in this trunk. Just me in my trunk. (laughs) But Megan asks about Carissa, and Alex says that Gallagher brought her into the fold because of her skills in psychometry, her ability to reconstruct the emotional history of an object just by touching it. Emotional? Well, I'd say for, okay. for most people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like emotional is too broad of a word for what Carissa yeah. has shown us. Well, Alex is like, I don't want to offend you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're married, but we just met. <laughs> Megan asks for an example, and Alex says that Carissa can sit in a car and tell you who owns it, or on a bed and tell you its entire history. She can sit in a car and tell you who rode in it. I'll tell you that. Oh, come on. (laughs) Good God. (laughs) I, I will say that this 
this little presentation of the friends. Mm -hmm. It's necessary and I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. To me, though, it just seems oddly placed because we already we know this about them. Right. We use this bit of exposition through Megan if we don't know this about them. Yeah. If because you're right, because they've kind of already shown everybody's capabilities yeah maybe show them maybe this meal is a lunch when they arrive at the hotel before yeah and then carissa's writhing in the bed and whatnot yeah yeah okay okay yeah because i mean i just took it as yeah we already know everybody but this is like if you were confused check it out yeah Yeah. so that i can just kind of give it to you and like you said honestly i appreciated it because i was a little confused already i was i was like okay so you you two like fucking psychic stuff or whatever <laughs> and you like a fortune teller and he's not he, he didn't hear anything <laughs> he said after that <laughs> hello darkness my <laughs> friend <laughs> well I don't know what they're doing in- I don't know what they're yeah, doing either I know what they're doing well, well, it's well, not, it's got nothing to do with what it, everybody else is doing you're frauds uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're just getting paid to travel to lavish hotels <laughs> <laughs> and live out all these elaborate fantasies I don't understand <laughs> They're not that elaborate, but <laughs> I think my thing is I'm still, even though he's explained everything, I still don't know about Frank. All he said no. was they were studying together. Yeah. No, yeah. Mean pizza shirt. Yeah. <laughs> See the way he tears it? Yeah. <laughs> but, and the thing for me is as well, he's a professor of anthropology. Right. So why wasn't he studying ancient Egyptian uh, history with- With Neil. Yeah. 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 That's a good question. I just, I don't get, I don't get it. Yeah. But Megan asks what Alex does, and he explains that he dreams. Unimpressed, Megan says that everybody dreams, and Alex agrees, but his dreams are of things that come true. Kind of. (laughs) 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 But inside, Teresa closes the curtains in the parlor, muttering to herself how peculiar everyone is and that they aren't normal people. She goes directly against Dana's only warning and stokes the burning logs in the fireplace. She said, let me climb in this fireplace real quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it looks a little dirty up there. Let me. <laughs> but just as she does, she hears something strike a key on the piano. She calls out, asking who's there, and approaches it slowly. The piano's like, bitch, get away from the yeah. fireplace. <laughs> Didn't you hear him? <laughs> The camera follows her view, and when she comes to the other side of the piano, she doesn't see anyone or anything. She returns to the fireplace, but eerie music mounts as something peers at her from the piano. She would have seen. No, yeah, yeah. 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 It's is this is this puppet a molecule? <laughs> <laughs> it's an atom. Up an atom. Yeah. <laughs> puppet atom. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> But as she goes to pick up the fire poker again, two more piano keys are played in quick succession, causing her to jump. She slowly turns around, the piano lid blocking her view as several more keys are played. She creeps her way over, and as she makes her way around the piano, she finds it empty yet again. But the camera pans across the fire poker as a human-sized hand in fingerless gloves picks it up. See, that... That fire poker, though, has been there the whole time. Yeah. Why didn't you pick it up the first time? Yeah. Because even if something made a noise over there, are you going to box it or what? You've got a weapon right there. (laughs) Yeah. What's weird to me is that this fire is burning in a room that no one's occupying. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And we're stoking. I just... What? (laughs) (laughs) For me, even if you don't believe or whatever, 
like I feel like there should have been even just a moment of hesitation and then her being like whatever and still but it was like she was never told that yeah, <laughs> at, all. at all yeah but we see pinhead yeah you're right why don't we have like yeah. a moment of her being like whatever whatever yeah, yeah they're so weird like she could have said that then yeah and uh, she she but, said that they're peculiar but she wasn't like in that thing dana said earlier yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck that. and they seemed fine yeah. yeah well dana was a little rough yeah but. yeah but we see Pinhead eye the fire poker curiously in his hands. <laughs> I have in my notes, I guess, because I didn't know when I was going to say it, but I just have, I hate this puppet. <laughs> <laughs> just don't forget to say that. No, I just wanted everyone to know. <laughs> but Teresa just closes the fall board over the keys on the piano. She walks over to the fireplace, but glances back at the piano a little uneasily. She then reaches for the fire poker, but finds it to be missing. Pinhead then raises it above his head, where he is, I don't know, because it's the same shot from before when he picked it up, yeah. which is right in front of the fireplace. Yeah. He's in some secret location. An <laughs> <laughs> <And> undisclosed location. <laughs> He's live via satellite or something. <laughs> but Teresa turns to look at him. She doesn't react at all, but is swiftly bashed in the head, her blood spraying against the logs in the fire. This is when I was like, so they're bad? Yes. Yeah. I was confused. It's confusing. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I mean, later, it's yeah. kind of, but right now, I was the same thing. I was like, well, why did you attack that lady? Yeah, I was like, why would Toulon do this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the group in the dining room is roused from their seats when they hear Megan's scream coming from the parlor. They rush in to find Alex lowering Megan's body onto the couch. Carissa asks what happened, and Alex just calmly says, she fainted. Look. The group looks over to a nearby chair to find the corpse of Neil Gallagher seated there. I thought that it was Teresa screaming. Mm-hmm. So when they run in there and Alex is like, no, she she does this a lot when she... That's <laughs> her blood pressure. I've been on her about it. You know? Um I was like, what the fuck? So at this point, my assumption is that the puppets have gone, the puppets have gone wild <laughs> <laughs> and they um, propped him up. Right. And yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Especially when he got, you know, the dude hopping out of the casket. Yeah. yeah. It's like, so you're already messing around with the body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the thing for me was there, they no sell this corpse sitting in this chair. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. My... When I seen this, I was like, who moved this dude? Which one yeah. of you fuckers took him out? Throw him away. Throw, <laughs> That's it. Like, I'm looking at you, yeah. Dana. <laughs> it's funny to me that they concoct a theory later that really doesn't make any sense. At no. all. But they, they're just ready. And we're like, we got to throw someone on the yeah. bus. <laughs> and we barely we know, know her. We know you the least. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not married to any of them. <laughs> but Carissa asks if Neil is alive. But Dana calmly insists that he isn't. She's like, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> But they return Gallagher to his casket, Frank telling the others that tomorrow they're going to tear this place apart because Andre Toulon's secret is right here. Dana says that it just doesn't make any sense. If Gallagher found Toulon's secret, why would he kill himself? Carissa also wonders who was fooling around with Gallagher's body. It sounds like, you know what it feels like? It feels like the end of like a soap opera. Where they're like, will they find out who Dana is? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, what, what is happening? Let's recap real quick. <laughs> But Frank just says that he never trusted Gallagher, pondering what he's up to. 
But as the camera pulls back from Megan, Dana posits in a voiceover that she might be up to something. I think she just hates her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for no real reason. But Megan wakes up with a towel on her forehead. Alex seated next to her quietly reading a book by the fire. I would be so like... I get it. You want to be my husband or you are my husband now, but do you got to be drawing me while I'm asleep? <laughs> like, I, Said my love, you've awakened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she looks over to find the chair empty now, asking if what she saw before was a dream. Alex just shakes his head and Megan says that she doesn't understand. Who would do something like this? <laughs> Alex says that they all think it was Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> why why would she do that yeah. it's like she was honest about not touching the body yeah. <laughs> suspicious <laughs> and it is funny because they i we never saw this conversation and we just heard dana say megan did yeah. yeah so no this isn't even what the theory <laughs> is trying to make her feel better yeah. yeah i just nobody said you that's the yeah. important thing <laughs> But Megan just asks why he came here, and he says that he had to. When she continues to press him on this, Alex admits that he's here because of a dream that he had, and he wants to make sure that it doesn't happen. But after a shot of the moon that may or may not be projected into the sky, <laughs> <laughs> I'll give him an A for effort. Yeah. We return to the Bodega Bay Inn to find Carissa washing herself in the bath. But suddenly, she's overcome once again, breathing passionately, which gets Frank's attention. Carissa is horny on Maine, and I love that for her. Yeah. Well, she, but I feel like it's, it's, I, I would prefer more if it was her choice. I guess that's true. <laughs> She's just like, God, again? God, it doesn't damn it. Seem, that is it true. doesn't seem like again. It seems like, oh, again. Well, uh, yeah, but still, it would be nice to be able to control these feelings. Yeah. Uh-huh. But Frank asks her what's going on, and she tells him that it was two women in the Navy during the Second World War. Frank hungrily asks for more details. I was like, wasn't he just here for work only? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like, this is business. Well, right. hold on. Keep yeah. going. Carissa says the women spent their entire leave together in this tub. Frank returns to business mode, kind of, telling her that as long as she's going to be fooling around in the tub, see if she can pick up on Neil Gallagher. And that young wife of his, of course. Of course. Um, it it was <laughs> funny to me. First of all, love that for the Navy women. Yes. Yeah. Uh, love that for them. Um, but it was funny that Frank's like, yes, yes, that's very hot. Now get back to her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, dude, get out of here, ponytail. He's like, you're kin to that Sam kid, huh? With the Babadook friend? He's like, let her finish what the she's Boba doing. Get out of here. <laughs> but Frank leaves with a perverted little chuckle and Carissa sits annoyed in the bathtub. But down on the first floor, Megan stands next to Neil's casket, caressing his lips with her fingers. But behind her, the silhouette of the jester puppet is seen moving behind the curtains of the window. The music rises as Megan is none the wiser, wishing her dearly departed husband sweet dreams. And when she finally turns her head, the jester dips out of sight and we hear the bells on his hat ring. <laughs> <laughs> but Megan does not investigate. Who's that Pokemon? <laughs> <laughs> we know who you are it's dude. Jester yeah. <laughs> but back in the bath Carissa calls out to Frank asking what he's doing as he walks across the room holding a book he tells her that he's preparing for tonight's experiment and she asks him to suppose that they found what they're looking for what would he do with the power 
Pouring himself a glass of wine, Frank says it's easy. He'd rule the world. That's concerning. <laughs> yeah. I... That's not good. <laughs> Carissa changes the subject, asking Frank if he thinks that Megan is pretty. But Frank doesn't answer, and after a moment, she calls out to him through both open doors to the bathroom. When he still doesn't reply, she grabs her towel and steps out of the bath. She walks cautiously to the doorframe and gets startled when Frank jumps out of nowhere, wearing a stocking over his face. She's pissed, but he tells her that he's just trying to get her into the haunted house mood for tonight's work. He's all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so confused. <laughs> so props now. Yeah, or like, what what's the happening? fuck is going on here? <laughs> props. <Yeah. laughs> he like went into her suitcase. It's like, dude. Yeah. Yeah. But they kiss through the stocking on his face. So I guess everything's pizza. I, I guess. But out in the hall, Alex stumbles upon Dana performing another protection ritual. With words written on a white piece of paper and attached to a door, Dana moves a lit candle toward it telling Alex that they're all in danger and that he's trying to kill them. The paper goes up in flames in a very neat display. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it basically disappears before our very eyes, and Alex asks who she's talking about, and she tells him, Gallagher. Who else? Dude! <laughs> Come on, man. She's like, I'm suspecting Frank might be. Yeah. <laughs> what? No! <laughs> But Alex looks incredulous, and Dana assures him that even the dead have their ways. She takes his hand, dragging blood from a chicken's foot onto his palm for protection, and he thanks her sarcastically. The All the supernatural shit that you know for a fact exists. Yeah. yeah. Why are you looking at her like this? Why are you acting like this? And you've worked with her for years. Yeah. I just don't, I don't understand. It it was a little confusing and, and like seeing it. And again, for the show, it is, it's like, dude, even if y'all are only like work friends, mm-hmm. uh, you know how each other are. Yeah. yeah. So, and if y'all both have these special talents, like you said, babe, they all have, they know something. Mm-hmm. Well, what I he, don't, he knows enough to give a PowerPoint presentation through a window. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Set. I just don't get it. Just accept it. You know what I mean? Oh, Hey, thank you. Thank, thank you, you for yes, looking out you. for me. Okay. I, I'll keep my eyes open. But back in their room, Carissa and Frank are in bed together. As she applies lotion to her legs, Frank speaks into a tape recorder. He documents December 8th, 1.46 a.m. Researcher and principal psychometric subject about to embark on sexual experiment number 517A. 517. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to get it right yeah. one of these days. <laughs> and A, he's like, there might be a B. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe B, C, and D tonight. But he says that he hopes they'll be able to open a channel to Neil Gallagher. He says the subject will utilize several sexual aids and certain assorted apparatus. He promises there will be descriptions to follow. He shuts off the tape recorder, only to return to it, asking the transcriber to file this under personal documentation and to annotate the location. I was like, is this work or not? Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm starting to think this has no scientific merit and that this is just part of the game. Well, when you love what you do. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> part of the game. <laughs> but he shuts off the recorder again and Carissa asks if he's ready. He tells her he's ready and willing as she straddles him and rubs his chest. He reaches for her, but she tells him not this time, 
As she ties his hands to the bedpost, she tells him that he doesn't get to do anything except for what she wants him to do. He's into it. Okay. It's de- it's definitely part of the game. The- none of this has anything to do with what we came here for. Yeah. <laughs> but I like to bind. I like <laughs> to be bound. <laughs> but yeah, you're right, because she's not like, now. as the professor taught us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's, there's never <laughs> any anything. But Alex returns to his room, finding a red candle shaped like a human body and a letter pinned to his door. He sarcastically picks it up, calling it a little life insurance from the White Witch. He then sits down on the couch in his room, lighting the candle very dramatically. He pours himself a drink, and as he does, in a low-angle POV shot, something darts behind his bed. We see the shadow move across the wall, but Alex doesn't catch it in time when he turns around. When the movement happens again, there's a knock on the door, which distracts Alex's attention. He opens the door, stepping into the hall and finding no one there. As he shuts the door, it's the puppets on the ground. Yeah, yeah. It sneaks around him and takes off running down the hall. Now, he didn't have to go that far out. No. No, Why he didn't. he went all the way, like he goes in into the hallway. Yeah. And like turns around and does like the NPC thing. He's like, oh, I see nothing here. <laughs> yeah. And turns back around. He, like It's like Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, his, his cone of <laughs> vision. <laughs> My thing is again, when you have the knowledge that you have, you don't get to be horror movie dumb. No, yeah. you can't. You're not allowed to do both. No, or have both. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that you know what Toulon's secret is. Yeah. Right. So yes, it's not as if you're like there's some great secret that you're still trying to uncover. Mm-hmm. You know what the fuck you did with these puppets? Yeah. yeah. And so I don't know. And honestly, with why is why is Blade in your room in the first place? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't even do anything. No. No. <laughs> I just uh, I don't understand. <laughs> but in her room, Dana burns her own person-shaped candle, talking to her dog as she performs a tarot reading. She says it's going to be a lot of changes in the next 24 hours and it's not going to be promising for you know who. I don't who? know who that is. <laughs> the dog's like, "I do not know this." Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> but and i think the thing for me is that what cha- well there will be a lot of changes in the next 24 hours yeah for a lot of people yeah but yeah not, not one person specifically maybe the group i don't know like I, the whole as, as a whole like, like for changes you know for who? everybody Us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me and the people i came with the dog's like why are you talking like this <laughs> <laughs> But when she hears moaning coming from the other room, she tells her dog that it's going to be a long, lonely night. The puppet continues running down the hall, but we see Alex in his room trying to sleep, but having to cover his ears with a pillow when Carissa and Frank's moans grow louder. Does everyone share a wall? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't, yeah, I don't know how this hotel works. <laughs> no, why would you put them in the middle of them? I, that's Literally. Yeah. Like, can they be on the other floor, yeah. please? They are really committed to the work. Yeah. Working overtime. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but we cut to their room where they're making it quite sweet. But back in the hall, we learn that we are in the view of Blade when he makes his way to a door, but when he can't reach the doorknob, he uses his hook to drag a chair over. He climbs up laboriously, peering into the keyhole to find Dana at her table reading tarot. Blade breathes heavily as he watches her, but eventually hops down, dragging the chair over to Carissa and Frank's room. 
the peepholes really give you an entire view yeah. of the room. Yeah, that's wild. It's really, um, it's something else. <laughs> that's really a flaw with this hotel, I'd say. Yeah, yeah I've never looked myself through a little like keyhole, keyhole? like that, but God yeah, damn, is that what you see? To, yeah. Well, and frankly, if I recall remembering the doorknobs, I don't remember seeing a real keyhole on these doorknobs. I just saw a doorknob. Oh, yeah. So Yeah, I, I don't remember now. Really, just pretend. I was, I was going to say maybe because their heads are so tiny, like they can. But when Teresa oh, yeah. looked through, she could see everything, yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> so I spent years looking through these yeah. keyholes. You got to hit it at the right angle. <laughs> But Blade hops up, tearing off their Do Not Disturb sign and peers through their keyhole. His dead eye sockets spring to life with gray pupils as he peeps on them having sex. So now they're perverts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, she was just on that rocking horse chair, right? That's what was happening in there. She was having a great time. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever she was. It was a toy. It was a toy. <laughs> <laughs> but he invites another perverted puppet to watch. <laughs> he's like you got us what the fuck is happening now? i don't know yeah that's why i was like what am i rooting for you yeah. or do i hate you i'm, yeah, I'm you're confused real creepy dude maybe they don't know what the fuck is happening in there come look at this shit dude yeah, maybe they're that? just confused they have been locked up for i mean how many years at this point yeah that's true oh maybe they don't like know what anything means 60 years yeah and yeah. i don't think toulon's like now this is sex <laughs> I would sincerely hope not. The birds and the bees for these puppets. But this perverted puppet is Tunneler, a puppet wearing a military uniform with a cone-shaped drill on the top of his head, voiced by Tim Dornberg. The door opens, and Tunneler stands there in the room with them. But the second Carissa turns around, Tunneler has suddenly disappeared. Of course. They're naturally. Fast. They're too yeah. fast. Carissa appears frightened, telling Frank that she thinks someone is in the room with them. She's like, I think your puppet's starting to suspect something. <laughs> <laughs> My thing, though, is if she is so shocked and frightened by this, y'all really were not expecting to make contact with anything but no. each yeah. other. Let's be very and clear. Honestly, the way this plays out is very, very like stereotypical horror. Yeah. yeah. Instead of them being these professionals, yeah. like, any kind of experience. Yeah. That, that was their intent was to contact something. Yeah. yeah. That's not what I'm getting. Well, they're making contact. <laughs> Again, with each other. Yes. But Frank, blindfolded and tied up, asks Carissa to untie him. Before she can, she hears skittering around the room and gets off of Frank to check under the bed. Not like this. Yeah. Not like this. <laughs> Please untie, untie him. Yeah, Please. Un untie him first. I don't understand because she's basically like, just a second, just a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't know what's going to happen. No. Mm -mm. And you're blindfolded? Yeah. Fuck yeah. that. Just untie me. And honestly, that that is a little annoying to me because we learn how blindfolded he actually is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you're, you're just being extra. <laughs> he just wanted to complain. <laughs> But Carissa appears underneath the bed as Frank calls out to her. She just tells him to be quiet and returns to look under the bed. As her eyes glance to the left, she sees Tunneler, his drill spinning as he charges for her. We see her feet shake at the impact of the drill, and she reaches a bloody hand up to the bed, leaving a red stain as it goes lifeless and she falls back to the floor. Frank calls out to Carissa, but instead, another puppet answers the call. This is Leech Woman, a puppet with long black hair and a pink dress voiced by Linda Cook. Frank's nerves are calmed when the Leech Woman begins kissing his chest because, yes, 
he believes these tiny puppet hands yeah. and his puppet mouth yes. is Carissa. Yes. Come on, dude. I was dying laughing. I had to pause it because I was laughing so hard because when he's like, whoa, what's going on? What's going on? Before he is duped by this tiny puppet mouth and puppet <laughs> hands, uh-huh. he goes, Carissa, you know I have no sense of humor. <laughs> that fucking killed me. <laughs> you know this. <laughs> so stop playing games. That, that is hilarious. But that is because even earlier he was like, and his young wife. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You do. It's just a bad sense of humor, but you do have one. Yeah, I hope like... As small as these puppets are, mm-hmm. yes, this puppet's kiss, like you said, kissing on his his chest and all that. Yeah, you, there's no way. Even even if even if uh, the leech woman didn't have her hands on him, you're telling me that tiny ass mouth is the size <laughs> of your wife's <laughs> mouth. That's See, what I think. Here's what or the the feel, the yeah. texture. Yeah. That's not scary. Yeah. It's like her, her splintery wooden yeah. lips. <laughs> That's Carissa. I love that about her. <laughs> but my, my thing again with this whole thing is that when we're talking about the tone of the film, they've yeah. been taking things very seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this this is more in line with what I thought this film was going to be. Yeah. But then stuff like this really doesn't happen very often. Right, right. I'm just so confused at what they were going for as far as that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seeing this, I will say that as well. Seeing this... uh being older and then like for the show i did notice that as well i was like man you know this really is a horror movie you're not being silly with this you're not trying to be that silly with certain things yeah but you do have these silly little moments in here so it it does it does shine a new light on on this for me Mm -hmm. so i am very excited to continue to kind of Mm -hmm. watch these yeah for sure and I do want to understand a lot of this story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But suddenly, Leech Woman lives up to her name, regurgitating a wriggling leech out of her mouth right onto Frank's torso. So, <laughs> Frank assumes this to be one of Carissa's sexual aids, and he seems into it. Yeah. So, you're telling me <laughs> that you're getting your chest kissed, and you... <laughs> By a wooden mouth. By a wooden wooden mouth. mouth. And you hear... (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, oh, Carissa. That's what killed me is she's audibly like... Yeah, Yeah, that's the wrong gag, man. (laughs) Good God, man. And he's like, ooh. (laughs) Dude, that... It sounds really bad. It does. And it looks disgusting. It does. It's so gross. Wouldn't you be like, are you all right? Yeah. Yeah. Are you okay, honey? <laughs> but no, he's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do really like the way she looks, though. Yes, like the I design of her, very creepy. And mm-hmm. even that, the leech coming out, yeah, like you can tell how it's done or whatever. But it looks, yeah, just so gross yeah. and so good. I think they said that the mouth was foam latex, right? And so they do kind of a cutaway thing, yeah, where they replace the shot, and you don't see exactly what's happening, yeah. yeah. But it's very well done. Oh yeah, and it's probably one of the more memorable kills. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty iconic, I would say. But after the leech begins to suck his blood, he cries out in pain, begging Carissa to stop. Frank is finally able to push his blindfold off with very little (laughs) (laughs) effort or difficulty. And just in time, he catches the leech woman vomiting another leech onto his body. His eyes grow wide and he shouts wildly in fear. But this sound to Alex in his room 
sounds just like more of the same noises as before. So instead of helping, Alex just begs Carissa and Frank to give it a rest. He is literally screaming for his life. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it doesn't sound. Yeah. None of that sounds sexual. No. Like, well, the ending part, none of that sounds sexual. Right. But he's, I don't know why he's not saying help, but he is doing a lot of, ah, ah, Nobody. Ah. It's like, dude. I've <laughs> noticed this moving forward. Nobody has the capacity to say help or yeah. call anybody's name. No, oh, yeah. no. None of them. No, like, we can all handle this on yeah. our own. <laughs> we're not I don't want to be a burden. <laughs> yeah, we're not actually friends, so I don't really want to. <laughs> if I scream, they'll know something's happening, but they won't know enough to come. <laughs> I'm not going to specifically ask for help. He'll hold it over my yeah. head. Yeah. <laughs> but we return to Frank's room. Even more leeches added to his body now, blood covering his torso as he begs the leech woman to stop, and he screams hilariously. <laughs> yes. But Dana makes her way through the hallway, carrying a bottle of wine in one hand and her dog Leroy in the other. She bumps into Alex, who startles her. She asks what he's doing walking around at this hour, even though she's doing the exact same thing. Yeah, and I was honestly waiting for a backstory on this dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, you know, just part of what she does. Yeah. <laughs> and if you have any questions, that's your problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you figure it out. But Alex tells her that the sound of Carissa and Frank rearranging the walls is making it a little difficult to sleep. Dana understands and agrees, but then invites Alex into her room for a nightcap. And maybe they could rearrange the walls a little bit, too. I mean, I, I guess after I heard my friend getting killed, I probably wouldn't be <laughs> horny either. Probably. He's like, Dana. Probably. Yeah, probably. I'm a married man now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He is. That That's ship right. has sailed. Okay, so no. Yeah, right? <laughs> my wife's in the other room. Yeah, it's like, how dare you? I don't know which room. But she's in one, <laughs> I'll find she's in one of them. Yeah. Yes, we're sleeping in separate rooms. It doesn't matter. <laughs> But Alex politely declines this offer, and after he leaves, Dana just takes a swig of wine and retires to her room with her dog. Once inside, she turns the light on and shuts the door, telling the dog that they'll just have to entertain themselves tonight. She concedes that she knows that he doesn't like Alex very much, but she says that he's all right. The camera pulls back to reveal seated in her chair is Neil Gallagher, his eyes wide open. Dana finally notices, too, and she's like, oh, it's you. Yeah. <laughs> what are you, you talking about? about? <laughs> Why are they so calm? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's a big deal, like, even if you have these psychic abilities. Yeah. It, it's not like this is a vision. Somebody is moving this body. Yeah. yeah. But she just says that Gallagher can fool the others, but he doesn't fool her. And he's not fooling anyone. You should know more than anyone he's dead. Yeah. yeah. You put that through his heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But she shakes a couple of shakers around him rhythmically, waving her hands over him and blowing smoke into his face. She moves her hand over his eyes and he closes them. She says that she's put the dead to rest and tells her dog that Gallagher won't be bothering them anymore. I'd probably punch the corpse just to be <laughs> just sure. Just for good measure. Yeah, just to check. I would probably be like, Alex! Yes. Because he's right outside in the hall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd probably call for backup or uh, be like, you see you see this motherfucker, right? <laughs> like, this is real, right? This isn't just me. Yeah. He's probably going to think you're trying to invite him back in. He's like, I already told you my wife needs me. <laughs> needs me. Don't disrespect my wife. <laughs> but I mean, so what is the plan then? She's like, all right, well, he's dead. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, really? We'll just leave him here. Just go to sleep. Here's as good a place as any. <laughs> but out of nowhere, Rush's Pinhead, 
who grabs Dana by the calf, tossing her onto the bed with a cracking noise. So I guess he broke her leg? Yeah. That's what it sounded like. I didn't, I'm not going to lie, I didn't get that either. And then later when I seen her, I was like, oh, you fucked her up. Yeah. When did that happen? Uh, I guess right here. Yeah. Yeah. But she tumbles off the bed, only for Pinhead to ascend her body and begin choking her. After a short struggle, she throws him off of her and drags herself into the hall. After a moment, Pinhead sits up and slowly chases his way over to a sweaty and busted up Dana. She continues pulling herself across the carpet, but Pinhead catches up to her, grabbing her and punching her in the mouth a couple of times. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that all of this that's going on, all the supernatural stuff, and he's just straight up fucking fighting her is wild. Seems personal. (laughs) (laughs) I did see on a featurette the stunt woman has his turtleneck over her head and so she's just swinging like oh blindly. Blindly. oh my god and so they gotta be very careful yeah. yeah but dana eventually grabs him and throws him down an adjacent stairwell and we see him tumble through the stair hole crash landing onto the tile below I take that you little fucker in your normal hand you're normal yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i did just want to shout out the stair hole oh yeah, yeah. we have to Beautiful. you gotta and I will say that I said crash landed, but he landed very delicately. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. It's almost as if they shot his fall and then they shot his <laughs> landing just from like a normal height. <laughs> but before Dana can catch her breath, she eyes Blade at the other end of the hall. He brandishes his hook in one hand and the other hand is a sharp knife. He rushes for her, just like in her premonition, but she's able to pull herself onto the elevator. Blade blocks the door with his hook, but Dana is able to kick it away, shutting the elevator door and riding down to the bottom floor. She catches her breath just as the doors open, but sees Pinhead standing in wait, and he rushes for her again. (laughs) She holds up her hand weakly, but Pinhead just rains blows down on her until she's able to toss him away again. He was mad. (laughs) The fall. Yeah. Yeah. That was several stories. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But she breathes a sigh of relief. (laughs) I thought of Homer when his hand's out of the toaster. (laughs) (laughs) Dana, it's in there again! (laughs) But suddenly, the door to the top of the elevator swings open. Blade peers into the elevator car, and just as Dana thinks she's safe, he drops down. She looks at him fearfully as he raises his knife, slashing it across her throat. As she dies, the camera pans past the elevator to find Jester standing on the other side of the wall. His head spins wildly, finally stopping on a satisfied smile. What the hell was that? I was like, (laughs) I thought he was so blown away by what he saw that he couldn't handle it. And that's Mm. why his head was spinning. But that expression was sinister. (laughs) He was pleased. (laughs) It's like, good work, Blake. (laughs) Whatever your mission is, like, I mean, I will learn. It's encouragement. I guess. Good work, (laughs) But he's done nothing but hide behind a a curtain. Right. He's like, you guys can handle this, right? Well done. Then tell me. Yeah. He's like, well, I was freshly made. Yeah. I was never never given an assignment. This is baby's day out. (laughs) But Alex is finally asleep in his room, and unfortunately, his slumber is interrupted when Megan knocks on his door. It was funny to me that he told Dana he was going to wander around for a while, and he just took his ass to his room and went to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) So that was a fucking lie. Yeah. (laughs) But he switches on his lamp and throws on some clothes to answer the door properly. He opens the door, and Megan tells him that she wants him to come with her. She has something she wants to show him. 
now, when you say clothed, this man got dressed. Yes. dressed. Yeah, he did. She's out there in like a nightgown yeah, yeah. or some shit, and this fool's like fully clothed. <laughs> He's like in the cufflinks? Yeah. <laughs> right, let me put my tie on. Hold yeah, on. hold on, hold on. <laughs> but he agrees to follow her, but as he puts his shoes on, she looks into the hallway, checking both ways, which is very suspicious. Mm-hmm. But Alex follows Megan up a staircase as she explains that she couldn't sleep. She says something about Neil's death kept bothering her. She said it never occurred to her that there was some connection between Toulon's death and her husband's, but after dinner, it started to make sense. It's literally the same method of murder. Yeah. Yeah. I don't fully understand anything that she's saying, (laughs) really. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because she said that she knows nothing about his work, and she's like, yes, Andre Toulon, yes. Yes, (laughs) you're right. So, I mean, I I have a theory. Okay. But other than that, it's just a theory. Okay. <laughs> but they make their way to a floor that is still undergoing renovations. Megan telling Alex that Neil used to spend hours up here. Megan shines the way forward with a flashlight, saying that Neil wouldn't let her come up here, but she came up here earlier and found something. Ignoring the fact that this is her hotel. That's all mm-hmm. I was, yeah. Um, If there's an area... <laughs> <laughs> or a room in your home that your partner says you're not allowed to go into. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That is a giant red flag. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that she's like, it's kind of strange. No, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's incredibly strange. Unless it's like that room from The Conjuring with all the bad shit in there. Uh, right. Yes. Yeah. Then. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason. Yeah. But for this, and it's a whole floor. Yes. <laughs> like, no, I'm using that room too. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> not that what one are you either. Talking yeah. about? What? what no, 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 no. no. <laughs> But as Alex holds the flashlight for her, Megan unlocks a padlock and leads him into a room. Through this door is the ballroom that Alex dreamt about. But he says nothing. No. Nope. Yeah. He just is like, well, lead the way. I don't yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, no, this is where he pulls a gun on you. She's yeah. like, what? He's like, so you found something up here? Yeah. <laughs> nice room. It's like, Alex, please. <laughs> I did want to call out the, because I love the way that this room looks. Yeah. So I got two things that I wanted to talk about. Okay. Firstly is the production designer, who is John Meyer, who would go on to be nominated for eight Oscars. Damn. Damn. He won two of them, one for Chicago and one for Memoirs of a Geisha. (gasps) Okay. Those are both great movies. Yeah. And I was also, the way that there is some camera movements, the push through the hallway when they go through the hall to the Mm. stairs reminded me of something out of Suspiria a little bit. Okay. Okay. And there is a look to this room that just kind of screams Italian horror. All right. And so I looked up and I found that the cinematographer was Sergio Sovati, who shot Zombie for Fulci. Oh. And he was a camera operator on a ton of spaghetti westerns, including Sergio Leone's The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Hey, hey, there you go. So this is a giallo film then or no? Right. It makes light. Yeah. Giallo light. He's He's got the coat. He said Italian. I quit. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm just in the mood to watch Chicago. Oh, well. (laughs) I bet you didn't think that going into Not at all. Record Puppet Master today. (laughs) Not at all. But Megan tells Alex that she wants to show him something. And suddenly, a man in a black suit and a white mask appears. He beckons Megan to him and they begin to slow dance as Alex just watches on. I, there is no reaction from Alex. None. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, my dream's coming true. It's just old <laughs> <Yeah>. hat. <laughs> it's just old hat uh, at this point. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
But just as he dreamt, when their dance concludes, the man removes his mask, revealing himself to be Gallagher. (gasps) (laughs) He puts his arm around Megan, telling Alex that he can't save her. Gallagher laughs maniacally as he pulls a gun from his waist and points it at Megan. Alex screams for him to stop from very far away. Yeah. Yeah. He like holds his hand out. (laughs) Maybe he does think he's in life is strange. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) So this whole little scene happened for a long time. Oh, it did. Yes. I think this was meant like as an intermission or something. I think if you got to go get a snack. (laughs) Go use the restroom real quick. I'll tell you right now, as the person writing the script, I was like, no, keep dancing. (laughs) I was was thinking that as I was watching it. I was like, I bet he is thrilled. The beginning too, when we're looking at Puppet close-ups of her yeah. <laughs> This is very easy to describe. Yes. <laughs> but after he screams, Alex wakes up in bed. When the time comes for real, Alex, please do better than that. Yeah. <laughs> if that was a test run. If this is your primer. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what got me is that even though it was a dream, you know this. Yeah. Yep. Like if, if I, I just don't understand and still his reactions to everything. And I got to be honest. Well, I'll be honest a little bit later. (laughs) (laughs) Alex breathes heavily, switching on his lamp. But when he removes his sheet, he sees the bloody severed heads of Dana, Frank, and Carissa staring at him from the foot of his bed. With a big smile, Frank asks, what's happening, Alex? Alex wakes up again in fright. I, okay. Here's the thing. Yeah. I didn't know if this was a moment of horror where Frank is like, what's happening alex right i genuinely think he's like what's up <laughs> well that's that's how it was delivered yeah yeah it was very much giving when um stan was roasting them all in the it miniseries with his head in the fridge <laughs> yeah. like, You're all flawed. that's what i was expecting him to say that um but i was like okay edgar Allan poe not a dream within a dream yeah, like, yeah. this man does not just dream one time no <laughs> he, he double dips i was gonna say we've already had this dream before but then not the one where my friend's heads are in the bed yeah no. yeah so. and that was a really good it did it kind of nothing else in the movie felt like that moment no right and so i really wish it would have played been played up a little more for how like scary and horrific that could have been because it, he was just like hey man yeah. like, <laughs> we're dead yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, how, how was your night <laughs> sucks for us right but after he wakes up again he switches on his lamp only to hear frantic knocks at the door it's megan calling for him to wake up she then looks down lens as if to ask the director if she's doing this right <laughs> <laughs> But just like in his dream, he opens up the door and Megan asks him to come with her. She says that she has something to show him. Again, say something. You've had this vision of the room that you're going to multiple times. Mm -hmm. You literally just saw all of this that's happening right now. Oh, yeah. He's like, no, let me put on my three-piece suit again. (laughs) I mean, at least be like, I can't stress this enough. When we get there, do not dance with (laughs) with anyone. That's all I'm asking, no matter what you see. Yeah. It's just weird that he's not saying anything. It's like he's not, why do you have this gift if you're not going to use it to help? Right. I almost thought, is this the same fucking shot? Or is this like, is it? There are a lot of reused shots. Okay. Because I was like... So you like you said, you're not reacting to this. Are you going to wait for the right opportune time to be like, ah, you know, you can fool me. Wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But 
No. Yeah. And I will say I did read on Turner Classic Movies website. Okay. They were talking, I think it was a biography for Charles Band, and in it they had a critic's response to the majority of these full moon films. Okay. And one thing that they all have in common apparently oh, no. is the desperate attempt to meet feature length runtime you feel oh, it oh yeah you feel it for sure and so th- th- these moments i okay, think was okay. it friday the 13th part two where we were talking about the running scenes being really long and yeah. joking about uh, yeah this one you feel it in several places right it's like what about five dream no, sequences yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like the same dream <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh we have to shoot anything new <laughs> <laughs> right just add something in between yeah it changes it's fine, it. changes it's fine. Like, those dumbasses they'll never know <laughs> and we're like is that the same fucking scene <laughs> no 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 but it is very funny that he doesn't do any warning he's just like i guess i'll just grab my shoes again yep. yeah and he watches as may he watches this time as megan checks to see if the coast is clear in the hall mm-hmm. why do we need to check yeah yeah but she leads him upstairs and everything plays out as it did before with Megan walking him through the disheveled hallway of the upper floor. Only this time, Alex finishes Megan's sentences for her. <laughs> then here, that's when you're like, nope. Yeah. Turn around we, and be like, I know where this goes. N- there's nothing good behind that door. Yeah. No. And she, okay, it gives her pause that he answers her sentences for her. But he reminds her that he's a magician and she just laughs it off. And that's where it ends. <laughs> yeah. He's not like, now there may be something. Yeah. <laughs> you might die when we go in. Yeah. <laughs> Aside from this being very cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I try to reach out and stop the time and rewind it. It but does not no, work, no. Megan. It I'm, doesn't work. I'm out for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've hit L2 too much. <laughs> but she unlocks the door at the end of the hall once again. But when they switch on the light, she leads him into what appears to be a regular room in the hotel. Megan walks over to a desk past plastic sheets and remnants of the hotel's past. There, she shows Alex what she found earlier, Andre Toulon's diary. She opens it and reads a passage. Today, I gave them life, using the ancient Egyptian rites of the afterlife. I love them all like my other children, like all my other puppets, they mirror the soul of their master. With me, they are harmless, <laughs> but I fear what they are capable of if placed in the wrong hands. Okay, so see, we get a little bit yeah. there. So that's everything. Yeah. yeah. But here's my issue. Okay. I fear what they're capable of if they're placed in the wrong hands. So I'm going to give Blade a knife hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give one hand a hook, but <laughs> and fucking drill bit Taylor over though, here. Man. I'm gonna make sure, make sure that drill's operational. Well, but see, they're they're, they're used for other things for help with building. I, That's what the knife's for. Hey, for so he butters, wood. he butters his toast. Yeah, the the tunneler is <laughs> for cutting holes and and what. But what is for making Swiss yeah. cheese? But what is existence to these puppets? If it's like you can just use a knife, dude, you don't have to fucking give me life to goddamn butter your bread. But it gives them purpose. He needs that purpose. <laughs> I have free will and desires. You gave my I, life. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. know. That toast is looking yeah, pretty dry. Yeah, it's like, God damn yeah. it. Why do I live? There's nothing for me here. I didn't think about, I didn't think about the design flaws. I'm going to make one of them that likes to punch a lot. It's like, it's like what? Why? Why do you make- the leech lady. I, you're a dude. Oh, yeah. 
He's like, well, but I'm a good man. Um, well, <laughs> these are medicinal well, leeches when she's with me. Yeah, I, I swear, I really, hope, I really hope nobody takes advantage of these. <laughs> oh, please, 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 write in my diary at night. <laughs> it's like, come on, this is your fault. At some point, you got to take responsibility. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but suddenly, Alex gasps deeply, and he's taken into a vision walking through the ballroom and past a marble pillar to find Gallagher in black and white seated in a chair. Now, this has never been his psychic ability. Right. No. It's dreams. You know, they, they just happen. Maybe he's yeah. still tired. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's still asleep. We've watched him oh, wake up like yeah. 12 times. He's like, honey, I'm dozing off. I, don't- <laughs> <laughs> I know this is a dream. Is like, yeah, uh- let's just let's get this over. <laughs> <laughs> but Dana's dog rests on Gallagher's lap and he holds a Luger pistol in his other hand. Gallagher tells Alex hello, placing the gun into his mouth before rethinking it and pointing the gun at Alex, bidding him goodbye and pulling the trigger. That was rude. Uh, well, yeah, it's not, it's not a nice thing to do. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Alex snaps out of this vision and Megan checks on him, but he immediately leads her out of the room and back into the stairwell as the music grows frantic. I probably would have said something there in the room because if not, it just looks like I have a stomach ache. So <laughs> he's like, "We gotta go now. Yeah, we <laughs> <all> dinner sucks." <laughs> <laughs> what did Teresa put in? Right, right. <laughs> but come with me, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm gonna need your support. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they make it to the first floor, and Alex stops at the bottom of the stairs, receiving a vision of Dana, Carissa, and Frank at dinner earlier in the evening. Megan asks him what's wrong. And he tells her that they're all in the dining room, taking her by the hand and rushing over. Once they reach the dining room, they follow a trail of candles to find their three corpses seated at the dining room table in a macabre tableau. The candles were petty as hell. Yeah. They yeah. had to light all of those. Um, did the puppets do that? or I don't know. Oh, I do not know. Maybe Alex did. He's like, look, honey, our friends are here. Yeah. Um, it's a surprise <laughs> engagement or something. My thing though is these are his friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does not seem to care. No, no, that's what I'm saying. If they were work colleagues, that would probably be like, oh, we worked together on a project, whatever. Neil found us and then brought us together. Now, oh, we're old friends. But all- even and even, then he brought us together. Even if they are only work colleagues, I would still react bigger than. Well, no, I mean, he's like, Damn, yeah, dude. No, that's true. <laughs> Shit. Man, that sucks for them. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. Right, honey? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so maybe maybe this will make bring us closer together. <laughs> to have witnessed this horror. <laughs> but we see Frank's body drained of blood and covered in leeches, Dana's throat cut with her hand clutching a bottle of wine, and Carissa's mouth mutilated as she leans back lifeless in her chair. Megan says that they have to get out of here. But as she pulls Alex away, a very much alive Neil Gallagher asks, you're not leaving on my account, are you? Neil smiles at them as all the puppets join the fray, peering in at the proceedings. Gallagher walks over to them, Megan confusedly telling him that he's dead. Gallagher admits that he is dead. He says he put a gun into his mouth and blew away his vast knowledge. And here he is, dead. It's like, you have to brag about your intelligence. Right? (laughs) He's like, I'm brilliant. (laughs) But I'm still here. Just let the record show. (laughs) But he then asks Alex to explain the metaphysics of it all, as Megan doesn't understand. Alex stands silent, and after sarcastically taunting Alex a bit, Gallagher takes it upon himself to explain. 
Metaphysically speaking, he did kill himself, but using the techniques of the old puppet master, he brought himself back to life. It's not explained how. No. No. <laughs> I understand the words are very simple, but how? <laughs> yeah. How did you say that? Yeah, no shit. I, I'll just take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> but Megan asks why, and Gallagher just tells her that that's an easy answer. He wants to live forever. He says that all life eventually ends in death, but for him, there is no end now. Alex reminds him, no natural end. I was like, all right. Okay. <laughs> He's like, That's what I just fucking I said. Don't, <laughs> I don't think he gives a shit, Alex. No. <laughs> Gallagher's cocky smile sours into a frown for a moment, but it returns as he tells Alex not to entertain any thought of killing him. As he begins to caress and grope Dana's corpse, Gallagher tells Alex that he's much stronger now than he was ever before when he was alive. You're still trash, dude? Yeah. Literally. I was like, what the fuck was that for? Yeah. He's like, oh, that doesn't go away. Yeah, yeah. clearly. Um, but it was funny to me that the puppets are all watching and like kind of nodding along. <laughs> like, oh, this is what happened. Yeah. We were here for this part. Yeah. <laughs> but Alex asks why he killed the others, and Gallagher says that he did it because they're all joined by their thoughts. And sooner or later, one of them would have learned that he discovered Toulon's secrets, so he had to bring them here. <laughs> he looks down, he looks at the table, and Jester looks up at him like, Father. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? He's like, are we doing good here, right? Yeah. No? Aww. Yes, I don't know. <laughs> I love Jester. <laughs> but Gallagher admits that he's tired of experimenting with silly little wooden puppets. He tosses Jester aside, which draws the ire of all the other puppets in the room. That yeah. right there. Yeah, what you're not going to do is yeah. throw my boy like that. Uh, yeah, like, that was a fucking happen. mistake. Yeah. <laughs> you see the, the whole vibe shift. Oh, yes. yeah. Blade's eyes widen and Tunneler's drill begins to whir. Jester's head spins, but it doesn't come back together again. Gallagher shares that he actually wasn't even the first human experiment. The first experiment was Megan's parents. He says he followed the old puppet master's trail to this hotel, and he boasts that he was always good with women and that Megan was so young and so easy to win over. He reaches his hand out to her face, and when she jerks away, Gallagher just smiles, saying that Megan's parents were a different story. Damn, dude. Yeah. So he, okay, so he killed, he killed her parents, but he's saying that they were the first experiment. Right. Yeah, we never see them as it his didn't work. puppet. Oh, he's like, it oh, shit. <laughs> I oh. just killed them. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the failed experiment. It's like 517B. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the puppets continue their silent fury, and even Dana's dog barks for some reason, but we don't see its mouth move or anything. Yeah. yeah. That was just added in post as a joke. <laughs> as a joke. <laughs> I think for the cast and crew. It got left in there. Yeah. yeah. It's like, this is a blooper, right? No, we'll leave it <laughs> But Gallagher says that killing Megan's parents was a small price to pay to live forever. Megan calls him a bastard and goes to slap him, but he blocks it and punches her in the face. Jester appears shocked at this action, and Blade readies his knife. Yeah, me and that, me and uh, Jester had the same face. Oh, I yeah. can't believe yeah. he fucking punched her. I mean, I know he's evil or whatever, but I was still like, <gasps> yeah. He even points. He's like, you believe this motherfucker? Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, he, he like, points to his friends. Yeah. We're yeah. not fucking with him anymore, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, no, we draw the line here. I will say though, Alex's visions are fucking bullshit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I haven't seen one person dance. No. It was more of a symbolism. Was you it? You know, like a the dance was their marriage and then is that right 
don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. I'm it's trying. interpretive, Dan. Yeah. yeah. What about the heads in the bed? They're like, hey, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, why do you do it like Kramer? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just made sense to me. <laughs> They're the guests, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, giddy up. <laughs> but when Alex goes to charge Gallagher, he gets knocked down with one swift backhand. That was embarrassing. Yeah. Gallagher then continues this assault, and Jester is very emotive in response. Gallagher asks the puppet what the hell he's looking at, so Jester, this is when he responds, very flabbergasted in the face, and he points to Gallagher, <laughs> yeah. and he locks eyes with his puppet pals like, I cannot fucking yeah. believe this. Can you, this is unbelievable. Did you hear what the fuck he just yeah. said to me? <laughs> but in this distraction, Megan smashes a vase over Gallagher's head and rescues Alex from the attack. Finally, because Alex was putting up no fight. No. Yeah. She rushes him away and out into the lobby, but when they try to leave, they find that the front door is locked. But when they rush for another door, Teresa, now a living puppet, jumps out with the fire poker in her hand, repeating her warning from earlier, don't touch the body. And I guess when you turn into a puppet, it fucks your hair up for some yeah. reason. <laughs> <laughs> they had to give her some flair. Yeah. But Gallagher returns and goes back and forth with Alex as they take turns kicking each other's asses. The fight heads over to the elevator where Alex tosses Gallagher inside and Pinhead closes the door. <laughs> is that not Pinhead with the assist? <laughs> Gallagher is surprised by this behavior and scolds Pinhead, calling him a fucking little cretin and threatens him. Wow. So, yeah, I think Sydney had probably just watched this. <laughs> And that's why she had Cretan on the brain. All right. All She's right. like, this phone call is just like yeah. when Pinhead yeah. calls <laughs> I know exactly how Gallagher felt now. But Gallagher tosses Pinhead aside. But after he stands and bangs on the elevator gate, Pinhead takes him to the ground. As he descends upon him, Gallagher overpowers him. He reminds him that he's the master and Pinhead is the puppet. He plucks his little head off and tosses his body away. I was like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first good thing you've done all film. I don't like his human hands, but Jane can do my little homie like that. That's foul as fuck, man. I, th I think that's what all his puppet friends said. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, no. Like, not, well, <laughs> we like not him our, the least. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's not our favorite, but he's one of us. So you can't do that. <laughs> but returning to the gates momentarily, Gallagher doesn't notice Tunneler's drill whirring behind him. He sinks the drill right into Gallagher's leg, taking him to the ground. Gallagher is able to pull him out and toss him away. And he asks, why? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, what, what do you mean? Yeah. You threw Jester. You slapped a lady. You've been saying yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. We're not You've doing this. you crossed every line yeah. at this point. But Pinhead puts his head back on, unfortunately. And Gallagher <laughs> reaches his feet to escape out of the roof of the elevator car. Pinhead and Tunneler reach for him, but before he can make his way out, Blade appears and cuts this exit short, slicing Gallagher's fingers off. Gallagher bleeds a yellow-green ooze as Pinhead gives him a temple massage of some kind. <laughs> <laughs> and Blade, he's like, dude, it's all right. So you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> shake it off. Shake it off. <laughs> but Blade stabs his knife into Gallagher's hand, and it's just his knife. I guess he doesn't need it anymore. Yeah, yeah I guess. So I did read that the blood uh, was changed green because mm -hmm. at the time it would have gave the movie an X rating. 
So they changed it. I thought it was because he's reanimated. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, at least it fits narratively. Yeah. Every time I see red that's not blood, I do think, I, I wonder if <laughs> yeah. that's... You mean blood that's not red? No, <laughs> red. <laughs> red that's not blood. Yeah. Made it in sleep well last night. <laughs> when I see ketchup, I'm like, no, what right. the fuck? Oh, oh, that better be blood. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm freaking out. <laughs> when I see blood that's not red, I do wonder if it would because that's a that, shut up. No, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just laughing. Thing yeah. a lot. I'm laughing thinking of you eating fries and you're like, oh, it's to avoid the X rating. <laughs> JP's like, what? <laughs> oh, I get it. Now. I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> but no, I, I agree. I think you're right. Because you see it a lot, even in whenever we played um, House of the Dead as kids. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. They turned the blood green to avoid. Yeah, which that didn't fit narratively, but no. this does work because, like you said, he is reanimated. Yeah. So if his blood looks different, he's not a living human anymore. Right. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. It makes sense <laughs> that the red is not blood. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. But Tunneler approaches his neck and begins to drill into it as the leech woman arrives, vomiting a massive leech into Gallagher's screaming mouth, which is held open by Blade's hook. That's gross, dude. (laughs) (laughs) It is. And normally this would be a good time. Somebody's getting fish hooked and spit in the mouth. (laughs) Dude's drilling his throat. I mean, he's leaving. But not now. (laughs) Headphones are off. (laughs) (laughs) Not in this instance, though. I agree with you. Yeah, not in this. Okay. My. (laughs) (laughs) Words. Nay, what's your comment? I was confused because. Alex is like, stop it. And I don't know why he's Dude, telling them to stop. I yeah. don't know either. And it, and the way that they take, <laughs> I'm so confused by all of it. Yes. Frankly, <laughs> because as this is going on, as you said, for some reason, Alex tries to stop them. Megan just screams and cries in terror as Gallagher is, I guess, double murder. <laughs> <laughs> Those puppets showed him who was the master, right, guys? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, a subversion right, of the film. Yeah. yeah. The title. <laughs> <laughs> but Alex backs away from the elevator doors to console Megan as we fade to black. And I don't know why Megan's so upset. Yeah. No. Not yeah. <laughs> he killed your parents, dude. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, oh, my husband. <laughs> like, dude, you didn't even love him. Yeah. You said you liked him yeah. and he loved you. Look at me. I'm your husband now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I've been <laughs> I've been coming at you pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All night. All 24 hours of us knowing each other. Literally. <laughs> but we cut to the waves crashing against the rocks outside of the hotel the next morning, where inside, the camera peers down the staircase and into the lobby. A taxi honks its horn outside as Alex stands with Megan, both of them dressed in different clothing, cleaned up, and in very good spirits. Yeah, yeah. they're fine. <laughs> so this is the next day, right? I guess. They were like, well, let's sleep on it. Yeah. <laughs> Which side of the bed do you want? But where's, <laughs> where's all the bodies? Where's this? Yeah, I, you're right. We I, just I, vowed to never talk about this again or what? And, and like it, what? It is funny because, you know, in my mind, the way that the whole Alex and Megan thing has kind of been like leading up i thought that they were gonna leave together or mm-hmm. that he lives at the you know whatever but it's really just a well see ya yeah. <laughs> like, it's really weird it's like i have class tomorrow yeah, yeah. <laughs> right you can clean this shit up huh? i gotta go yeah, i can <laughs> bye
Well, they never. I mean, Teresa's still there. She still is an employee, even though she's kind of. Oh yeah. Well, well, well. That's what they were <laughs> made for. I mean, what we're learning. Yeah. yeah. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Megan tells Alex to take care of himself, and Alex tells her to give him a call if she ever heads out to the East Coast. She gives him a sincere hug goodbye, wishing him a good trip before he leaves. But Megan then walks over to Dana's taxidermy dog taking him into her arms and walking upstairs with an idea clearly crossing her mind. When she reaches the top of the stairs, the dog is now alive and she sets him on the ground. She calls him a good dog and he follows her the rest of the way. I'm happy for Leroy. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how this was possible. I don't either. Unless she was bluffing them the whole time or like powers got transferred when... She wasn't in the room with Gallagher? Mm-hmm. And she d- he didn't, like, breathe the smoke into her mouth or anything? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well. Well, she's, like, next of kin, right? Like, is it a legal <laughs> situation? <laughs> the, the puppets well. are, like, looking at <laughs> a, a will, and they're like, ah, sh- okay, well, I guess, I guess. You seem nice, yeah. so I'm glad it's you. <laughs> they were legally married, so we gotta, we, gotta re- we gotta respect that. Well, you gotta remember, though, he did say he followed the process after. He couldn't have done it himself. Mm-hmm. So, so she was lying. I, th- I, that's my theory is that they were in it together. But that's so weird that she didn't that she didn't just help kill all these people, right? But if we get rid of them and him, I'm still here. I have the puppets. I have what I was looking for, or rather, what you were looking for. But now I have that power. So she's bad. I mean. Because when she is walking up the stairs with the dog, she does pet it and put, yeah. it, put her hand over its face. <laughs> then in the next scene, yeah. the dog is... No, I get... That's, that's why I'm confused. I think that she... Or that's what I... My theory. I think that makes that more... That she was working with Neil. And of course, yeah, she probably didn't want him to die. But you know what? If he's out of the way and fucking Alex is in love with me, he's not going to come question me. No. I can do whatever this the hell I true. want now. And I mean, but then again, that would make her a little bit diabolical. Yes. Yeah. But I'm I'm <laughs> utterly confused. I am happy that Leroy is Wait yeah. a minute. alive. But hold on, though, because then that changes everything. Because if she brought him back to life, then she's the puppet master. He's her puppet. Then she's controlling everything that he does. And then the puppets are evil because she's evil, but she's nice. Or is she? Yeah. But she was like, get that fucking dog out of here. <laughs> 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 then we then we know. That right. would be clear. It, well, it, unless she brought him back for him to bring the puppets back, and then she's like, oh, he's going to fuck this up no matter what. So, <laughs> but I, then, I, I but it, it gets it, very muddy. Yeah, That's a we lot are of, having yeah. to infer entirely too much. We're throwing too much sand on it. Like, <laughs> yes, you know, yes. I do like the theory. It just, yeah. but it makes her the puppet master, and yeah. so I'm right. trying to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe. Well, maybe in the sequels, I w- if is she in any of the sequels? That I don't remember. It's huh. been like I said. It's been since I'll say, and I'll be honest with you, I haven't watched a puppet master movie after the age of 21. Okay. So I will be 39 in September. Yeah. So a long time. Fair enough. We'll learn. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, we'll do it together. Yeah. yeah, we will. <laughs> we will. But we fade to black and the credits roll. So what did you guys think of Puppet Master? So the movie's got a lot of holes. There's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot. 
there's a lot of stuff going right on. out the gate yeah but i still i will be honest i still enjoyed the absolute fuck out of this movie it's uh it's it's watching it through adult eyes i was like holy shit what's going on here <laughs> um but it is a fun time i i honestly just like you said t really i thought too i was like oh this is gonna end up getting silly but it never did and i was well, like, okay except for that one well <laughs> the one yeah <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't get it but this i feel like this is a really good movie and i would even go as far as to say if you've never seen it at least give it a try and then, you know what I mean, form if you want to continue watching these movies or not. I would agree with that. I think that definitely give it a shot. Yes. Because even like I said, I have no nostalgia. I have nothing for this. I still had fun. Yeah. I was very confused, <laughs> but I still had fun. There's a lot of like... um kind of gems here and i like i said at the beginning i can see that the foundation is being laid for possibly some really good storytelling mm -hmm. but in this i was confused <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the time and even having unpacked it i'm still a little confused <laughs> a little bit <laughs> how did she bring the dog back you know yeah, you yeah have, well great question she's the puppet I <laughs> clearly i feel like we were left to our own devices a lot to fill in some gaps. Like you said right at the top, there are plot holes. There, There's no denying that. But I do think that this was a lot of fun and a lot of craft went into those puppets. Oh, yeah. The way that they look and the way that they're operated. I mean, that's it's pretty fucking cool. Um, but yeah, there's... <laughs> it's a mixed bag for me because <laughs> it left me still scratching my head. There's a lot of head scratching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, I just um there there are films that don't hold your hand because they trust you to understand. Yeah. Right, right. And there's films that don't hold your hand because they don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Well because <laughs> they don't know where they're yeah, going like, either. They don't, they don't I, understand. They're like, hold yeah. my hand, please. <laughs> and I feel like this is one of them. There, <laughs> there are technical aspects that I do appreciate. Yeah. I think I think just for me there's just su it's such a weird thing because there there is a thread that ties it together mm -hmm. as far as Gallagher's desire to find out Toulon's secret right. mm -hmm. and use it for himself. But I don't understand how having these little tiny puppets work for you in a hotel <laughs> <laughs> is going to somehow lead to world domination. Well, because if it's in the eye or in the heart or whatever of who controls it, if somebody bad controls it, they could use it to hurt people or... Right dominate or whatever the goal is so like that aspect i get but then look if you have all this power you have all these all these puppets at your disposal yeah. <laughs> why are we pretending to be dead at all why not just bring them here and fucking kill them? <laughs> it just none of it makes any sense if they're the only people that can see into your mind and your heart or whatever, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're right. bring them here but not completely because he was able to block out that he yeah. died why but see that's why it leads me to believe that <laughs> megan was in on it because I, I, they ca they came and he had to have someone help him uh-huh there had to be a process to bring him back to life you had there had to be yeah but oh, okay so then but then the other thing is that how did they know about toulon's secret if he's keeping it hidden in a wall 
and these like they were nazis if they yeah, came, yeah. If yeah. they came to kill him or whatever they felt it dude they were dreaming about it Maybe. too long <laughs> i don't fucking know dude <laughs> i don't know i just don't there was no there's so many there. <laughs> <laughs> I think, and that's where it falls down for me. Because look, you know, as cool as cool as Blade looks, and Blade looks cool, he does yeah, look yeah. cool. Uh, there's also for as much Blade there is in this film, there is just as <laughs> as much Pinhead. All right. Well, and so if not more, if not more, let's be clear. We probably in, see Pinhead more than in and total. It's six minutes of time for the puppets. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. wild. That's wild. That's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> And again, that's I think that's the other thing is that that if you look at the box, you're like, oh, it's gonna be all puppets all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> and the later ones. Later. Yeah, it's mostly them just mourning their friend or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Shocked. Yeah, <laughs> but then it's also very strange to me because they were helping him find this. Yeah, but then the second he's dead, Frank's like, no, we're gonna get the fucking secret. What are you gonna do with it? Yeah, I don't. He said, uh, take over the world. Was yeah. that not a joke? I didn't well, really feel like one. He doesn't have a one. sense of humor. No, it's yeah. right. <laughs> definitely wasn't a joke. I just, uh, I just, I don't know, man. I, I, I think that if they had picked a speed and stayed with it, yeah. I, I would have understood it more. Okay. Yeah. Like, they're like, if this is just straight up campy B-horror, yeah, yeah. that's what we're going to be. Okay. But they took themselves very seriously. Yeah, yeah. for most of it, yeah. Up until the leech woman. Yeah, well, sometimes and we got to get up and go to work. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and what's it called? Um, I guess whenever he's um, looking through the people and it's like, <laughs> like, hey, get over here. Yeah, like cartoon eyes and yeah. shit. Yeah. Like a wolf. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know, man. This one's very difficult. For it me. really is. But I guess that can lead us into ratings. All right. I had, I think I had more fun talking about it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because watching it, there was a lot of confusion, mm -hmm. a lot of character motivations, a lot of character changes. I don't understand the character of Dana at all. No. 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 <laughs> because she's no. a fraud, but her visions are specific and accurate. Yeah. Uh, whatever Frank and Chris are doing with their free time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we need to. <laughs> well, they're all gone. We don't got to worry about them. Uh, that's yeah. True. Yeah. So let's just talk about Alex. Yes. <laughs> Who doesn't listen to his dreams? <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't listen? Who doesn't listen to his dreams? Who's <laughs> wasting his gift? His one power. Uh, and then Megan, who we don't really know what happened. Yeah. No. <laughs> Just a lot of speculation. She got a dog though. That's cool. She yeah. did. Yeah. She did. <laughs> who will do her bidding? I guess because yeah, he's the puppet well, master. Yeah. Uh, and then Gallagher. Who seems to think that four <laughs> tiny puppets, one very poorly designed, uh, <laughs> don't forget, will, will somehow lead to him being king of the world. Well, if it's a big enough puppet and you bring it to life, I guess. But all he had, it, all he has is Teresa. Okay, does the Statue of Liberty count? Can we go turn that into like a walking? See, and it was never because uh, I I was gonna sure. say well, it had to be living first. No, it didn't. Yeah, it didn't. No, it didn't. The dog and the puppets don't have anything in common. Nope. No, <laughs> except they just happen to be at the bodega yeah. inn. <laughs> 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 I okay. I I look. I I will reserve. I guess some uh, thoughts on the franchise for later. Okay. Because I don't know how this fits into everything. Mm -hmm. How much we learn about Toulon and what the hell and how the hell. Right. Yeah. Um, 
but I feel like for me, there's just so much left unexplained. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you that. <laughs> and I want more. And so, I mean, I don't know. I This is one of those films you absolutely understand where the cult status comes from. Yeah. yeah. You understand people who watch it at a certain age or watch it with a certain mindset. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And just want to have fun with it, will really enjoy it. Oh, yeah. Because there's a lot of fun moments. For me, I think I was just trying to dig too deep. <laughs> well, the, the, I, I would not blame yourself because the story that they're telling is pretty deep. No, yeah. So it's not even like it's just silly and puppets are running around and you're like, but what does it mean? Yeah. Like Jack Skellington. <laughs> no, like they are telling a deep story of these people yeah. with these gifts and there were not Nazis. Yeah. Like this is a deep story it just has a it's swiss cheese yeah. and i really expected it to be like a standard horror thing okay where a bunch of teens are staying at the hotel for spring break <laughs> <laughs> and then it just so happens that there are murderous puppets yeah <laughs> that roam the halls or whatever it just so happens <laughs> at, at night but it's adults yeah <laughs> and who have a very serious yeah intention yeah i'm i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I, I think for me, and it might sound a bit low, I just think that the story portion of it really is upsetting to me mm-hmm. that I can't I can't crack it. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, out of 10 diabolical dolls, I am going to give Puppet Master 4.5 diabolical dolls out of 10. I want to know more. Mm-hmm. And I hope that these sequels will give me what I want to know. Oh, no. Same. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, they, I and I hate to, to say it, but I think it is about the third film where we get a little more. Okay. But they do, I think, as they go tell the story more. So, I mean, it does suck. I, I do get it, and, and I know we do talk about it, and I'm joking around, but it, it does suck when movies do that because you do want to know what's going on in the very first one because if you're establishing these characters, we need to know about these characters. Mm-hmm. We need to know where they came from. We need to know how they were made. We need to know how who made them was made or where they came from. You know, give us that, and then we can expand on other things in the future movies. Yeah. yeah. But... It seems like from here we did have a story and then later they expanded on that story. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I get it. I'll be I'll be completely honest with you. I understand. But for me, I am a puppet guy. Right. So <laughs> I like this was fantastic for me. I will say yes as an adult for the show. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I did notice. <laughs> I did notice a lot of the, I guess, Swiss cheese, like you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. But again, I enjoy the cheese. That's, you know what that's I mean? That's the thing, so, though, is when you love a movie enough, it doesn't fucking matter. Oh, yeah. Like, it doesn't yeah, yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah. And I'll defend these little fuckers all day. <laughs> like, that's fine. Um, but no, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I'll be honest, too. I can agree with that as well. Because I see in watching this as someone who's never seen it, I can completely understand how you're watching it. It's like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> what is going on? Where'd that put? How does nobody see this guy? That too. It, it's, <laughs> yeah. It, it, I, I get it. But for me, this, I will admit, this is one of those nostalgic movies of course so for me i am gonna give it more uh-huh. um but also uh, the uh, the good time holy shit we had a good time talking about yes it. I had a good time reviewing the movie just sitting here and and i know we've talked about it a lot and and sometimes that does help the score mm-hmm. um i can't wait to get into this series uh so for me i'm gonna have to 
double what you gave it. Wow. So for me, on a scale of one to 10, Diabolical Dolls, I'm going to give Puppet Master an 8.5. <laughs> I love the shit out of these guys. And again, it's probably from me being a kid and watching yeah, all yeah. of these. For sure. But I also, seeing this again, I'll be honest, I'll watch this in a couple of days. Hey. I'll throw it on next week and be like, oh, yeah. And like, it's brand new. Like, I I feel like this, and I didn't realize it until watching it for the show. I feel like this was something that might have been on a lot when I was a kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I did. I never realized it. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then because watching it, I was like, oh, man, I'm transfixed on this shit that makes no sense. <laughs> like, I, I'm just like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, did you throw this motherfucker? <laughs> yeah. Like, I was getting upset for the puppets. Right. Um, but yeah, no. The, I Like I said, I can totally agree. And I see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. But again, you know what I mean? It's I, powerful. Yeah. I like this shit. Yeah. And it's something from my childhood. So to me, it, it has that extra, you know, gut punch. So it's like, oh no, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll cut for this shit. I mean, you heard me. I was defending. Oh yeah, you know, even, 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 <laughs> even when you were like, yeah, I know. <laughs> you still I know, tried. Still, yeah, it's yeah. all right. No, um, you. I love your love for this. It is infectious. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that we've already covered it. All the, <laughs> all the confusion, all the plot holes. <laughs> I will say the premise of it is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Like I keep saying there is a foundation there mm-hmm. that I feel like would really make for great storytelling. I can't wait to kind of see what they do with it. I did appreciate most of the designs of the <laughs> <laughs> I think the leech woman is so fucking gross and inventive. I love her. Um, even though she is utterly disgusting. Mm-hmm. We already said before how stylish and fucking cool Blade is. Um, I love the Joker serving face 24-7. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's the story really for me because the the characters can kind of switch on a dime and we're just supposed to run with it. Like, <laughs> and the story being just extremely confusing. You know what I was thinking is also at the dining room table when Alex is talking about Dana and he's like, she's always like this. And they get outside. He's like, she's never like this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? He's playing both sides, man. Yeah, he'll, he'll always come out on top. Um, just things like that, you yeah. know? I will say that this is not one that I'm one and done. I would watch this again for the camp just because I find it very silly. And that's what kind of makes it difficult because if it were just a silly puppet movie, I would have a higher score for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that they're like, no, we have these powers powers and we're going to, what are you doing? Like, you're going to what? Like, I'm still confused. (laughs) But I did have fun with it. I don't, I did not dislike it. I did not love it. Right. But I did have fun and I, I can suspend enough disbelief that I'm excited to see where this franchise is going to go. Um, but not a, Alex disbelief <laughs> not, not that much <laughs> this was a wild first installment okay and I think that I read um, I don't know when it was uh, published but I think that it's still true that this has the most sequels of any horror franchise right I would not be surprised you know uh, that's not for no reason no there, you know there's a loyal fan base yeah 
I'm I'm very intrigued, but I my eyebrow is raised. <laughs> so my score is going to reflect that. And on a scale from one to ten, Diabolical Dolls, I gave Puppet Master a 5.5. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even get a reaction yeah. for the 4.5. Well, he knew. We yeah. all knew. Yeah. We all, knew. all, knew. Yeah. We all um, saw Pinhead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is fun. Right. It's fun. If I had nostalgia for it, it would be even better. I just don't I don't have it. No, and and I get it. Like I said, I I promise watching it as an adult, uh-huh. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> but it does again speak to my younger self mm-hmm. and the silly shit that I enjoy. For so sure. It, I was like, oh man, this is great. I'm getting slapped everywhere with it. It's okay. Or, you know, punched, <laughs> I guess, for those were that, those were yeah, the- <laughs> interesting choice of words. Yes, well, you know. Um, but again, I I would definitely say, like you had said, to check this out if oh, you've yeah. never seen it. Because it is something to be seen. It is a lot of fun. It's just I really hoped coming to the table today that we would all unpack it and it would make a lot more sense to me. <laughs> that no. did not happen. Nope. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll continue. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> well, that's all from us at Pod Mortem. What would you rate Puppet Master and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Pod Mortem. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at TravisMWH, at Blood and Smoke, and at RealStreeter84. Thanks again to Original Cinematic for sponsoring this week's episode. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special thank you to our Wendigo Gitter patrons. And remember, tread lightly in your quest for power. Sometimes it comes with strings attached. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned. We want to give a very special thank you to all of our Windigo Getter patrons. Woo! Yeah! yeah. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> we were ready. Yeah, yeah almost like puppets and we were oh, controlled. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that was the smallest. Fuck. <laughs> 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 a special thank you to Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M. Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Lala Thomas, Travis Anissa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Jennifer Perez, Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ and Angie Bronson, Spooky Mom, Applin Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Sydney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, JD Rezac, Molly Gerhard, Armand Spasto, Eggie, William Barry, Brittany Ramatar, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, Eden, Jordan Roberts, Dylan, Melissa Sierra, Holly Bryan, Jordan Blevins, Liz Heath, Spencer Montavo, Pancake the Panda, John Ramos, Michael Newding, Alexis Roberts, Dan Laveau, Itzy M, Gary Horton, Alicia Olivier, Kate Lamp, Carlos and Sydney, Jessica Hunter, Helena Rudder, Alan Johnston, Mariah, Livy Fun, Mandy M, Scott Troutman Wise, Mozzie Bear, Brittany G, Dave Burke, Adrian Stakes, Nick Spill, Emma Hagel Kissinger, Valerie G, Emiliana, Brian Glass, CB, Taylor Santana, Will Lewison, Angelique, Smelly Poopoo Head, Beth Bauer, Cookie, Esperanza J, 
Jason Kyle, OKC, Joshua Rumley, Danielle Peralta, Brandon, Nicholas Carter, Sawyer Reese Farr, Dr. Diva Loves Horror, Girl That's Scary, Cassandra, Andrea Simmons, Ashley Higuera, William and Zena Rush, Ryan Brom, Megan Ochoa, Laura Lassiter, Natalie de Guzman, Eileen O, Marissa E, Sydney, Henry F, Megan M, Strangely Sarah, Christy Beck, Nancy and Andy, Amanda Lopez, Andy Terrell, Jason Hanavan, Emel Tafoya, Abigail Spitzer, Katie K, Erica Morin, Cameron S, Nicole Stewart, Tris Wynn, K.87, Mariah Jensen, Carrie A, Lonnie Lono, Powell, Kayla E, Maggie H, Fernando Dominguez, Murder Stina, No Thanks Tom Hanks, Kevin McGonagall, Kristen Marcy, Ori81 Boricua, Look Like That One Girl, Bog Boy, Montez Shamwell, Thalnez 63, Alita Pui, Probably My Jugs, Kate Thackeray, Wade Peck, Charlie V, A Lizard, Bryant Watson, Luke Ashley, Jay Rich, Jen Lassiter, Topher Williams, Elena Mettler, Neil Chesson, Valerie Kay, Kim Sterling, Christy Lee Kruger, and Professor of Humanities, Laura McCarricker. Thank you all so much. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you all. We love you so much. And your support feels like a dream. Yeah. Like Alex yeah. had. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't listen to <laughs> He did not, but yeah. we are. But we are. We, we, we love it. Double dream. Double, yes. Double dream. <laughs> Until next time.